everyone. Welcome back to the One Talk podcast. You're here with your host, Ryan. Today, we've got a special guest in Dan Holden. You. Thanks for having me on, brother. All good, brother. Thank you for coming on. It's a real privilege to have you here, man. You know, I've known you for the last, I think we figured out before, four months now. Mm. And I know what you're doing now in the space of your hustle and your aspirations, but I don't know too much about you at the same time. So I'd love yeah. to take this opportunity to... It's a bit like a dinner date without the dinner. Yeah, exactly. Just need some candles. Yeah. <laughs> John, can you get us some candles? No. <laughs> no, he's ignoring us. So, man, do you want us to take us back to the beginning and we'll work our way through? Well, all the way back to the beginning. All the way back. So on the 1st of October, two th- <laughs> <laughs> No, so I guess... Um, yeah, wow. Um, dude, I was laughing way too much to go straight into it, but let's just dive deep. Yeah, so, yeah, I guess, like, um, just grew up in a small town on the sunny coast called Lansborough. Mm. Uh, had, like, I guess just a regular childhood for the first, like, three years of my life, so toddlerhood, I guess, yeah. <laughs> whatever it is. Um, but I guess... I don't remember life like that. So when I was fairly young, and I'll butcher times and dates and years because I don't know when everything happened. All right, let's just I, say, how old are you now? Uh, 21 now. All right, so sweet. So this is all building up to 21. Yeah, yeah. so I guess when I was a lot younger, um, I think I would have... I honestly don't remember much from my childhood, like like really early, early childhood. Like You know how people remember stuff from when they're like three? Mm. I don't remember, dude, I swear I can't remember shit from when I was like six or seven. Yeah. So I think when I was like around that age, my mum got very sick. Mm. So she went to like the autometrist because uh, she had like double vision. She thought she needed glasses uh, and stuff like that. And then she got, <coughs> excuse me, she got immediately sent up to Brisbane Hospital, I believe uh, that is. Um, and she had like, CT scans and all these scans and everything because some stuff wasn't adding up with the optometrist and everything like that. Um, and I think after they did some tests, they got the results back. She pretty much got a call saying, hey, you need to immediately fly to Sydney hmm. because you need to have an operation. So at the time she had what I believe was the second biggest brain tumour in... I'm going to say Australia. Mm. I don't entirely know. Um, I know it was either Australia or the world at that time that had been recorded. I'm just going to play it safe and just say Australia. So at the time, she had the second biggest brain tumor in Australia uh, that they had found of that kind and the positioning and everything where it was. Um, And she was pretty much like immediately flown to Sydney to have like an operation done. Were you three or six at this time, did you say? Uh, I probably would have been like around six, five, yeah. six. So when you first heard about this news, were you able to understand what was happening when you heard your mother has to fly down to Sydney? I, uh, I, I don't think I really understood much, to be honest with you. I think I was like, I was very observant as a kid though. That's mm-hmm. one thing. I was always very observant. I observed like my surroundings, people's emotions, what was going on. I knew, like, I knew something was up. But I didn't really understand what was going on. Like, you know, like your mum's having a brain stream. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like what? And, but I remember the first time I was like, oh, can we swear on this? 
Yeah, of yeah. course. I was like, I remember the first time I was like, oh, shit, this is pretty fucking serious, was like when I was like, again, I can't remember, maybe like just after the operation and I had to, I got, because <coughs> when the operation happened, my um, dad went down and stayed in Sydney. And who did you stay with? Did you stay in Lansborough? I stayed in Calandra with my nana and pop. Okay. Yeah. Um, or they came and lived with us in land. One of one of the two. Yeah. But we stayed with them and dad went down there. And I remember having that conversation with nana and pop where they were like, hey, you need to understand that the, like the chances that your, your mum is like going to come out of this is very like slim to none. Because I can't remember what the rates were, but it wasn't looking good. Like, you know what I mean? So. Yeah. When we, before like mum left and dad left, she bought us like these little, my brother, me and my brother James, um, she bought us these like little teddies. So like I had like a little teddy dog, which was like called Truxy, still got, still got him. Um, And then my brother had another one, I forgot my brother's dog's name, but that was like a gift to us for being like, at the time I didn't really know, but that was like a, Mm. hey, if this doesn't work out how we want it to work out, then... Here's, here's something to remember us by yeah, or something like well, that, you know. Is your brother older or younger? He's older. So did you find in this time you got a closer bond with your brother or were you already always close? Yeah, I think I was like, at this time, I can't even remember. Okay. But I know that me and my brother had a pretty close bond. We always sort of did. Yeah. Um, like we didn't ever really hang out, hang out and go do things, but we definitely did have a close bond in the sense of like, we would talk to each other and just like, you know, like talk, yeah. like play around and have fights and just like all that brotherly shit. Like, cause if you're fighting with your brother, you're close. Yeah. Like that's how it was with me anyway. I'm always having fights and stuff like that. But I think trying to ramp the story forward a bit more, basically mum went to Sydney, she had the operation through the operation. She ended up having a stroke. And they accidentally like nipped the spinal cord in the in the procedure uh, or something like that, and she ended up coming out still alive but very very like uh, severely disabled. So when she first came out of the operation, we were told that she was going to be like a vegetable. I hate that phrase. I don't know like if that's offensive to anyone. If it is, I do apologize. But like, uh, I guess like paralyzed would be yeah. the correct term. So we were told she was going to be paralyzed. So she was meant to be pretty much paralyzed laying in a bed for the rest of her life like if she was able to pull through like even the uh recovery and everything like that so i remember the first time i flew to sydney by myself on a plane i was like six seven years old eight it's no would have no wouldn't have even been eight would have been like six years old maybe uh and my grandparents dropped me off at the airport and then i just i got on a plane my brother made me watch airplane crash investigations the night before too because he's an asshole. <laughs> Typical brother. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I was freaking out. I was on the plane. I like, got to sit up the back with all the flight attendants and stuff and they were giving me like unlimited cookies and orange juice. I thought it was the best thing in the world. But I remember getting to Sydney. We were staying like at this hotel across from the road and stuff like that. And I remember going to see mum for the first time and she was bald. And I was like, holy shit. And she had like, I think, cause I think she had something like 250 stitches mm. in the top of her head. Like it was like, cause it's obviously a very severe thing. And I remember she didn't know who we were when we first went in there. Cause you know, like after you undergo like such a traumatic thing, I'd, you don't really understand yeah. much about who people are. 
So she didn't even recognise who, who we were. From there, um, she stayed in hospital for quite a long time. I believe she got a lot of the little details. Are like So, like, you know, if I say something, take, like, it's sort of something along the similar lines happened because I don't remember all the little details. I'm not, yep. like, a super de- detailed-orientated yeah. person. So I don't remember, like, exactly everything, but I know that she stayed in hospital for a long time after that. In Sydney? Uh, she stayed in Sydney for a while, then she got transferred down to Brisbane. Then when it became less severe, I believe she got transferred to Caloundra. Yeah. Because at that time, I think Caloundra was one of the main hospitals. Yeah. So I remember Nambour was like the main one. And then they obviously built Kiwana, but this was way before any of that. So Caloundra was the main hospital. Every single, like, we'd just be going to school. Every single day after school, we'd go visit mum. Oh, yeah, fast forward a bit there. Three days after she came back from hospital as well. Like three days after she came out of hospital, my pop passed away mm. from a heart attack. Yeah, well. Like literally third day of having mum home after everything. Like, because I think this hospital journey, like I remember all my friends thought that I lived at the hospital because mm. it'd be like, we'd go to school. Like, mind you, I was like pretty young, didn't know what was going on. Same with my brother, like just like not really understanding like what all this shit meant. Mm. And you would go to like school and people would be like, oh, what are you doing this afternoon? Do you want to go hang out? I'm like, oh, no, I'm just going to visit my mum. And people would be like, oh, you don't li- like live with your mum? Like, where's your mum? Like, oh, she's in hospital. Oh, what happened? And then you'd like try and tell them. But obviously when your friends are like the same age as you back then, if they didn't go through that, they wouldn't know what you're talking about. What was this age? Oh, I don't know, man, like seven, eight, okay, something so like still that. around the same like, age. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty young. Um, and I guess from a young age man i just like i adapted to like a different sort of lifestyle to what most people would have mm. so i guess the story is like to be honest with you the story is such like a muddled up thing in my head because i don't go back there a whole lot yeah because i do like i try and stay away as much as i can i think it's good to go back and revisit things to see how grateful you are to be where you are but i don't i don't reminisce on it yeah if that makes sense i don't I don't like to sit there and think about it mm. and be like a potty pit. Well, you don't want to be basically trauma bonding at the end of the day or not trauma, no, I but don't, like reliving your own I don't really agree with that trauma bonding stuff. I think yeah. you have to go back to and accept certain emotions, but yeah. I don't believe on like unpacking the old boxes out of the storage shed just to like go through all of that again. Mm. Like, because I would never want to go like through like the shit back then. And you know what? It'd probably affect me worse now than it did back then. Yeah. Just because of my age and my lack of understanding probably actually helped me a little bit as opposed to disadvantaging me, I feel. You know what I mean? Because I feel like in situations like that, if you don't understand it, it's a little easier to move past it. Yeah. You don't have to unpack it either because you're doing, well, it seems from my perspective, you're doing pretty well in terms of just life and how you feel at the moment as well. It doesn't feel like you need to go back and unpack stuff from your past to try and mm. push forward in life. Right now, it feels like you come to a part of acceptance and like you said before, grateful. 100%, man. I always say this. You've got like two types of people, man. You can either use your story as a reason why you can't or you can use your story as a reason why you will. Mm. And that's what I say. So it's like I use my story as a reason why I will. And like there is so much detail in like this, this story of like my upbringing and – one day I will do a podcast on it and I will lay it down. But 
I try to stay right out of the, all the little details because it is not a nice place to think about, if that yeah. makes a lot of sense. But I think it's important to talk about. Like, I'm open to talk to people about it, but I don't talk to people about it that often. Yeah. So, like, a lot of people that, like, even a lot of my current friends have no clue. Mm. Like, people don't know. People know, like, my mum's in a wheelchair and people know that I love my mum. And that's probably like as far as it goes. You know what I mean? Like as whereas in primary school, I felt like my friends knew everything. Because like I was in primary school and you'd go home and you'd like like I don't know, like when you were eight years old, like and you got home from primary school, like what was a regular day f- like afternoon for you? Um not comparing by the way, just genuinely. Yeah, so going home after school at eight to be honest, I was going out with mates. Mm. Just doing, from my story, I was doing some wild shit. Yeah, so it's like, and that's that's the thing, man. It's like when I was so like I was so young that I just got brought into this like because I didn't remember mum before she was disabled. Mm. I don't have any past memory of mum not being disabled. I only got the memory of like afterwards, and I've had like certain flashbacks and certain certain memory spikes pop up of like going to see her for the first time and her giving me the toys. But funnily enough, I only remember her giving me those teddies. I don't remember her walking. I don't remember her being able to make me lunch or, yeah. you know, wiping my ass or like whatever it was that mums did. I don't remember any of that. Yeah. I only remember mum in a wheelchair, and that's all I've ever known. Mm. So for me, it was like really weird because you were like a young kid in primary school and it was just like I always felt like a struggle to like fit in and relate to people Mm. like obviously because you know like pretty different situation but I feel like it really pushed me almost to being like a an extrovert introvert and I still consider myself that sort of person today so like I can be an extrovert when I need to be but, like, deep down on the inside, anybody that knows me knows that I am, like, actually quite a quiet person. Yeah. And I don't like to talk a lot about, like, things. And I just, like, just do my own thing. Keep to yourself. But to other people, I come across as an extrovert. Mm. So. Yeah. Well, you you must be just be very selective in who you present your story to. So, <laughs> at the end of the day, it's your story. You know, you don't have to. You're not entitled to share that with anyone. That's it. And I just want to add in, like. Myself and Jaren obviously have a podcast and we wanted to, we're actually going to sit down and do an episode a couple of weeks ago about my story, but I actually pulled the pin on it because I don't want it to come across as like a, like a pity pot. Do you know what I mean? Like a, oh, feel sorry for me and this and that. Like, that's the last thing I wanted to come across as. So like, you know, like I don't like out of this, I don't wish for anybody to like send any attention about how sorry they are for the yeah. story, like, whatever, because I, like, I don't like that sort of stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know what you mean. If anything, I'm so grateful for the things that have happened in my life, even the things that have been so negative, I think have really, like, lit a feel and a fire within me to do mm. what I'm doing. That's like, if there was something different in my childhood, I don't know if I'd be doing what I'm doing. Mm. Just grateful for what's happened in your experience of life. Mm, 100%. So I guess, yeah, sorry, trying to get back onto the story. It's a bit, <laughs> been a bit muddly so, so far. You're right, man. Because, um, yeah, it's just like it's overwhelming to talk about. So it's like your brain just tings off all different walls because so much shit happened. Yeah. So if it makes it easier, we can just focus on your story and experience, your life. Like we don't have to 
unpack the other things. As no, well. no, it's all good. I'll okay. I'll, I'll breeze through it. So I'm not going deep into it. All right. But yeah, so basically, I guess uh, I feel like we need to touch on this because I feel like this is the substance to what I'm doing now. Yep. That makes sense. So okay. I feel like if you leave this out, it's like building, like leaving the foundations for the whole episode out. So mm. probably got to touch on it. But I guess. Yeah, being like a real young kid, come home, like life was just so different. You know, like you would come home, you would be like toileting your mum. You know, you're like, you're eight, nine years old. My brother was like 10 years old and you're like trained to take your mum to the toilet. Like with hoists and toilet chairs and all this stuff. And like, you know, your dad's working six days a week because government funding was absolute dog shit. So dad had to work six days a week. He'd work 12-hour days. He'd get home from work. He'd just be just cranky and just, like, up, like exhausted, you know, Stressed, like 12 yeah. hours in the sun. Like, you know, his whole world's been flipped upside down. He's just trying to be the best man he can for him, for his wife, for his kids, you know, for all us. So I guess it was pretty hard. I feel like a lot of the the stress spilled out onto my older brother. I often refer to my older brother as, like, the backbone to our family. Mm. How much older is he than you? Uh, he's three years. Okay. Yeah, so he's like 25 or 24. Mm. One of those two. Yeah. <laughs> really bad at math. But I often refer to him as like the backbone. Like, so I was like that younger kid that was probably rebelling a fair bit. Mm. So like never ever into bad things, but I'd just go down the skate park or I'd be getting in fights at school or I'd be like, mm. you know, just... Yeah, not not running a mark, but like, I guess, yeah. It's when I was younger, I like I've ran a mark, but not in a malicious way. I never yeah. hurt anybody in in the in the way of doing it, right? So like, my running a mark wouldn't be going and bashing random people up or throwing rocks at cars or like hmm. whatever it is. Like my running a mark would just be like getting on a skateboard and like walking to the like the steepest hill in my town with cars everywhere. And, like, trying to skate down the hill. Yeah. Or, like, just doing, like, I don't know, just, like, funny shit that didn't really step anyone else out of their way. Just putting yourself on edge. Yeah, like, I just love that. So, I guess I was very, like, rebellious in school. Hated school. Did your brother go to the same school too? Yeah, yeah. So, brother went to the same school. But we were never in, like, school for too long together because, like, he was three years older. So, he would sort of leave to high school and then by the time I got to high school, he left to do an apprenticeship. Oh, okay. So yeah. we were never like, we were at the same school, but not really. Not really, yeah. But yeah, it was just weird seeing how different life was being so young. And there's a funny story that I actually tell, which I, to this day, I find it funny. I remember when I had my first sleepover. Mm. I had a sleepover with my friend and I was like really excited, right? And his name was Byron. And I was like super keen, never had a sleepover before, right? Mind you, all I'd ever known is just, like, looking after... Like, I knew everyone else didn't, like, toilet their mum and shower their mum and, like, cook dinner and do all of these things, right? But I didn't really know, like, to the extent of how different our life was. So you stayed at his house? Yeah, so yeah. I stayed at Byron's house, right? Because it was... Because, like, when I had sleepovers, like, it'd be, like, every 15 minutes, me and my friend would have to stop watching TV and we'd have to go into my room because mum would need to go to the toilet. Yeah. And we need to use the facilities in the house to do that. Mm. So we didn't really do that because it was just weird. Um, but I remember having my first sleepover and I got over there and I'm having dinner. And the first thing I did when I got there was like, I was like, what are we doing? And he's like, oh, we're going to sit down and play the Xbox. And I was like, oh, 
we aren't going to, like, take the rubbish out. We don't need to mow the lawn. The windows mm. don't need to be wiped down. The floor doesn't need to be mopped. We don't need to help prep dinner. I was like, you know, like, <laughs> your dad yeah. doesn't want a beer in the fridge for him. I'm like, what are we doing? He's like, no, just go play Xbox. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Well, well. I just thought it was, like, so different, right? It's, just, it's a funny story. I love telling this one. And then we uh, later that night, his mum comes in and dinner's all cooked and she brings it into us on a plate in his room mm. and i'm like i was like what the <laughs> fuck yeah i like she left and i was like thank you so much i was like do you need me to come great anything she's like you're all right like, you know all good i like asked him i'm like is this normal i was like does she do this every time he's like yeah i was like you never cooked dinner he's like no i was like oh okay so yeah. i ate dinner i took my plate back out took it into the sink right and i like started washing it up mm. and then like washing everything else up that was there and it's, his mum walks over. No, he walks out from the room and goes, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm washing up. He's, and I was like, do you want to take the rubbish out? Because that's what me and my brother used to do, right? Like one yeah. would wash. It was never like that. It was an argument. But one would wash <laughs> up. One would take the bin out. So I was just so conditioned to like do these things, right? Where I was Natural. like, yeah, because that's just what our house was because everything was so different. I remember like getting back from that sleepover. I was shook, eh? I yeah. was like, what is like? I thought they were weird, man. I was like, <laughs> that is a weird family. Yeah. And it was on like a school night too. So I found it so odd because we didn't have to like mow the lawns or do any like, yeah. any like weekend chores or anything like that. That would be weird compared to what your normal is, you know? Well, like we'd wake up, me and my brother would have to make our dinner. We'd have to make breakfast. Sorry. But yeah, we'd have to make breakfast. We'd have to make breakfast for mum. We would have to, so went before dad left for work, dad would get mum out of her bed in her chair so we'd have to then take all the cushions and pillows off mum, the blankets, like wake mum up. Well, she'd wake herself up, but like, yeah. you know, get her ready for the day, um, take the rubbish out, do like all these things for her, getting ready for the carers to come. Because mm. we used to have carers that would yeah. come in. Most of them were useless. No offence to carers. Like there's a lot of, it's getting a lot better. Back then it was not as good as it is now with all the funding and everything like that. Yeah. So we had some pretty terrible experiences there. So like I remember being in primary school, you're like, I remember being in primary school, I'd get a call from mum, and this happened to my brother too, and it'd be like the carer on the phone, mum's just laying on the ground, they're waiting for an ambulance because they didn't know how to use the hoist properly or they didn't know how to do this properly. So like, you imagine being like in primary school and like mm. first year of high school, having to leave school early to go and go yeah. home and help mum. And we had a little dog at the time. Yeah. Whenever they'd like drop mum and hurt mum, He'd like sit on mum and not let anyone near them mm. until the ambulances got there. That's ridiculous how these carers didn't have to work a hoister. No, yeah, it's just insane, man. Like they're just because back then a lot of them were careless. Like, and I I tread lightly because I got a lot of respect for carers, and she's had a lot of good ones. But there's ones there where you can just tell they don't want to do it anymore. And you know what? Fair enough, because I wouldn't want to do that. And fair enough, you're gonna be overprotective with your own family too. Oh, 100%, man. That's one thing that I'm like, there's not much that I'll like, like die on my shield for. Well, there is, but like mum's one of them. Mm. It's like, just don't fuck with my mum. Yeah. Like, fuck with anyone, just don't fuck with my mum. Not your mum, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, moving on from that, man, we just had like a really weird childhood, I guess. I struggled with a few things growing up, like quite a few things. I always just felt different. Mm. That was my biggest thing. Always felt very different from everybody. I felt like I didn't relate to anybody. I felt like people didn't understand my mind. And 
I always knew that there was something destined and like something better there for me to go do. Yeah. So were you involved with anything in life at that time that was such as a hobby, a passion? Yeah. So this is like when all the entrepreneurial stuff starts. So yeah, like I guess how long is that? 24 minutes. Yeah. And we wrapped up this. That's good. Yeah. That gives us like time to go talk about some of the other stuff. So, you know, like I guess this is where it like the come up goes i guess like yeah. you know all this shit like obviously so just so people know mum's still disabled still living with us um in the same house my brother me looking after her um dad's working like six days a week to pay the bills make things happen mm. uh pop had passed away at this point so nana would come over and help as well um and then we just floated through school and i guess at this time i started to get hobbies um I was, like, always wanting to do things. Yeah. So, like, I couldn't sit at home and not do anything because I would just get, like, un- like just ridiculously bored and then I'd piss everybody off to the point where everyone's like, I right, just fuck off and go do something. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like, i got to give a massive credit to my brother there because m- my brother definitely took more of the weight in looking after my mum than I did. Shout out to you, brother. Yeah, like, he'll be one of the first people I look up like look after when I make it for sure. And he doesn't know it. He yeah. does, but you know. He does now if he listens to yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> if he listens to this he does. But yeah, like massive respect for him because like I said, I feel like he held us together, like the whole family. So he had a lot of pressure on him from a young age, as we all did in our own ways. Yeah. But I think just being the 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 older brother, I feel like he was the middle man in the family. Like he stood up to the occasion. And I think he stood up in a massive way and he helped me, he helped mum, he helped dad and everyone. So, yeah, well. yeah, like that's why I got so much love and respect for my brother because if people, and he never talks about it, but if people knew what he has done and like how strong mentally he is and the things he did done for our family, then people would shit themselves to say yeah. the least. Like it's, it's pretty insane. Even when I think about it, I get goosebumps. Yeah, well. But yeah, so like moving on from that, I guess you know, dad working so hard to be in a family. We used to like, we used to do all of this stuff, like take out the bins, mow lawns. My dad's a very traditional, strict, just like typical, how would I say it? Very like, not he's not strict, but very firm. Like if he tells you to do something, he doesn't want in two seconds. He wants you to do it now. It's like very old school. Very, yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. He was very old school parenting, right? Yeah. Like you do something wrong, you get a smack. Like like just old school, right? And so like growing up, we would like the jobs that me and my brother did were like pretty crazy. I used to get five bucks a week and my brother would get $10 a week. Mm. Like you think about it now, right? Parents give their kids like 50 bucks to mow on the lawn. <laughs> yeah, we were like mowing the lawn. I was called Danny dog shit because you used to have to pick up all the dog poo. And like, you know, like I used to have to, between me and my brother, we'd do like just ridiculous stuff, right? Clean yeah. the whole house, clean the toilet, shower, everything, right? Just and we're getting what has five, to be done. Yeah, we're getting five bucks a week. Yeah. And he was getting 10 bucks a week. And you'd go to school and all these people would have these like cool things, right? They were like new iPods or something. I think it was at the time. These All these iPods were coming out. And I was like, I want that. I was like, how can I get like an iPod or whatever it was. Something was coming out at that time. Everyone had it. Mm. And I like did the math and I'm like, yo, this shit is going to take me like a year and a half to get from five bucks a week. I was like, yeah. I ought to do something about this. 
So I always had like this natural entrepreneurship tendency and I have no idea where that came from because yeah. no, no one in my family really has a business. Do you know what age this was at when you started to get that entrepreneurial side of It was mindset? honestly like I probably had it from like seven or eight. Okay. Like really young, like eight, nine, ten. Let's just say ten. Ten, yeah. Right? So at ten years old, I was like mowing lawns for people. Okay. Right? And I was like, literally didn't even ask my dad. I didn't talk to anybody about it. I was like, hell, I want to make some money. How mm. am I going to make money? And dad was like a big, dad's like old school. I'm not lending my tools to anyone. Like, for, you know, like just yeah. <laughs> had like grudges with everyone in the street because I'd like lend something off him and return it broken. And he just yeah. like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I was like, how am I going to do this without dad knowing? I don't even know. I hope he doesn't listen to this. But <laughs> I like went door knocking around in my like estate and everyone knew me as that like little blonde kid from the road. Like, you know, new mum was sick and shit. So yeah. Maybe that worked into my advantage. I'd just go door knocking at everyone's house in Lansborough. Mm. I'd be like, hi, I'm Dean, and I just want to earn some pocket money. Can I mow your lawn? <laughs> so <laughs> I used to, like, I had, like, a few people, and I'd mow their lawn each week. Oh, well. And I had, like, a little regular client base. I don't think Dad knew that I was even doing this at the time. At the time, I had a bike, so mm. it was, like, I'd just steal fuel out of his jerry can. And, like, after school, I'd just, like, walk down the street with them <laughs> and mow, like, a few people's lawns. He eventually caught on and he was fine with it. I just started to start paying for the fuel I was using, obviously. Yeah. I started making a little bit of money um, and then something happened and I just got sick of mowing lawns. Like, I just, I was just like, no, I'm not going to do this anymore. Just came repetitive. Yeah. And then I remember I had like a little bit of money saved up, probably like 300 bucks or something. Like, that's pretty, that's a lot that's for a like lot how of, old I was. That's a lot of money for them. And I remember we went to these like swap meets hmm. and there used to be like all these antique bikes swap meets. And what's, I'd what's that? Like antique bikes. Oh swap meet? Oh swap meet. So it's just like imagine like the markets, but yeah. just like all these old people selling useless things. Oh okay. But like yeah. a lot of it's got value, like mm. old car parts and like all okay. this stuff, right? Yeah. So um <laughs> like I grew up going to those. Mm. You know, I just like think everybody knows what they are. <laughs> so I used to go there and just like like literally someone would be selling something for fifty bucks and like I was like you know, 10 years old. And I'd be like, I'll give you two bucks. Like, and occasionally someone would just say yes. Yeah. It's so like, I remember like I bought a bike for 10 bucks. I rode it around the swap meet. I got told off by like the officials at the thing because you're not allowed to ride bikes there. Mm. So I was like, oh, screw you. So I went back to the site that we were staying at and I put it out the front and I sold it for like 50. Oh. And I was like, hey, this is pretty sweet. <laughs> and I went and got a go-kart, right? Because like I was, I was a bit of a smart ass. So I like rode past the same official. I'm like, I'm not on a bike. And he's like, can't be in that either, kid. And I was like, I had to walk it back. I think I bought that for like 50 and I sold it for like 150. Yeah, well. So I just started like buying things and flipping it. I'm like, holy shit, this is like, I'm That's, doing all right yeah, here, right? Hustling. So like I used to, and then it became a thing. Every swap meet we went to every month, right? I would go there with like 100 bucks and nothing. And I'd come back with like 300 bucks and five things. Hmm. So that's like how I used to play, right? So I, I'd just buy things, sell them, and then make money to buy things and then keep things. Yeah. Right? Fast forwarding a bit, I saved enough money to get like one of these new iPod touches or whatever they had at the time. I remember. And that. it was like the most flash thing everyone had ever seen. It was like crazy. Everyone had Justin Bieber on their iPod and I didn't. Was that the one that had the camera <coughs> or the one before the camera? Before the camera. <laughs> and I was like, um, holy crap, I want this. So I ended up working for dad for 
ages to get it because I probably spent the money that I got from the swap meets on cheese and bacon pies. <laughs> and he bought me a phone case with it as well. Mm. And the I remember the case being like 40 bucks and Dad's like, oh, I'm spending 40 bucks on a case because the idea was if I like – I worked for it because he wouldn't he wouldn't give us the money he would keep it and then we'd be able to accumulate it and then he'd go buy something that's actually worth having yeah so I remember we paid like 40 bucks for this case and he was like complaining that it was a rip-off and I was like yeah that's a rip-off I agree with you mm. and it broke in like two weeks the and I was, iPod no the oh, case. case yeah and I was like this is actually leading into my first successful business yeah and I was like no, nah, that's that's shit. Like, I broke after two weeks. How am I going to get another one, right? Dad's not spending 40 bucks on a case because I didn't look after it because that's yeah. how he was, right? You get something you don't look after, you don't get it again. Mm. So I remember going to going online and I found this website called eBay yeah. and I ended up working out that Dad used eBay as well. Mm. And I ended up wanting to buy a case on eBay. It was like, three bucks <laughs> and you know like when you go to check out and it gives you like the upsell options yeah it's like people have also frequently bought and it was like 10 cases for 10 bucks yeah and i was like holy shit i can have a different color for each day of the week this is <laughs> sick so i ordered them spent like 10 bucks right gave that was like two weeks of work through dad yeah stingy bastard child labor and um <laughs> I got the cases and I took it to school and everyone thought these cases were sick, right? They're like these silicon cases that sat over it and they had like a different colour on the home button. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. were like, everyone thought that was so cool. And I was like, holy crap, I'm going to start selling these to all my friends. Yeah. So I started selling the cases to my friends and I ended up selling them for like, I think I was only selling for five bucks each, right? So I was like making four bucks per case. Yeah, well. Sold them all in like a week and I went home. And I was like, dad obviously didn't want me using his Visa card, like just to be buying stuff and then giving him cash and all this stuff, right? Yeah. So I like needed to work out a way around dad where I just didn't even have to tell dad because my idea was if no one ever asked, I just wouldn't say, Hmm. right? So I was like, dad never asked me if I was running a freaking phone case business illegally at school. So I just didn't tell him, Yeah. right? So anyway, like I went to the post office. I was like... Oh, I'm gonna just like buy a Visa gift card or like something. I'll I'll work out a way around it. Right, I was too young to have a bank account mm. or an ABN or like I have no idea about tax or anything <laughs> like that. Right, so I bought these little. It's called a Load and Go Visa card, mm. and you can get them at Australia Post. I'm pretty sure you can still buy them. It costs you like 13 bucks for the card, right? And it gives you. It's literally like a card that you can preload money onto, and it's got all the Visa details so you can spend money online. So every mm. afternoon after school, I would start, like, I would run down to the, the post office every hour after selling my phone cases and I'd put the money <laughs> in at the post office on this card. Yeah. I'd go home, I'd jump on the computer after parents went to bed and I'd, like, jump on eBay and I'd order, like, cases and cases and cases, like, all these different cases. And I remember I bought these, like, coloured phone cords. Yeah. And I bought them from a place called Alibaba. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I spent 220 bucks on a thousand phone cords or like oh, something what? ridiculous, right? And mind you, I'm like probably 10 or 11 <laughs> at this stage. That's crazy. And I'm like, dad doesn't know I'm doing it. Yeah. Anyway, I remember ordering them and thinking, I'm like, thinking that I got scammed. So I just kept ordering cases off eBay. Yeah. Two months later, I had like, I think it was like literally 
I came home because I used to get home before dad. So I'd get to the packages before anyone's seen just them. Above the Aster. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I n- never got caught because dad would get home at six and I'd just race straight home after work. Mm. And mum would never check the door because obviously she couldn't mm. check the door and pick the parcels up and they'd never knock because yeah. I always just select the leave it door option. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, mum knew I was getting packages, but mum just mum was the goat of never asking questions. Yeah. She just never asked me what I was doing. So I was like, that's sick. Just going with the flow. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember I was like just still making like decent money and just getting all these phone cases and started getting some like earphones and stuff. And, and I actually ordered some what were you gonna Sorry, say? I was gonna say when you ordered that thousand cords, did you move them all? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. It took a long time. But I think it was five hundred now I think about it. Yeah. I think I was paying like I was paying like like 37 cents a piece or something like that. Yeah, so I wow. spent like 200 and something bucks and I got 500. So mm. I think it would work out to be around 500. But I remember coming home like two months after I ordered them and thought I got scammed, right? I was like, no, fuck Alibaba, this is shit. Because <laughs> I come from China, I didn't even know, right? Yeah. I come home and there's a box like literally like 30 centimeters by 40 centimeters by 30 centimeters high <laughs> and it had my name on it and it had all these chinese writing over it and i was like holy crap what is this yeah so i took it around the back i opened it up and it was just like it, it literally looked like a rainbow shit show of phone charges yeah and i was like oh my god these are the charges i ordered <laughs> so i took them to school and like mind you i just had all this stuff like in my school bag right yeah. because i would go to school and i like bought this folder from the news agent and i would like it was like some black market shit man like you see on movies where they open up their jumper and they've got like guns for sale in their coat yeah whatever it was <laughs> like i had like this special pencil case and i'd open it up and it'd have like all the cases that i have like glitter ones different ipods all the yeah. ipod nanos <laughs> and all this stuff and all these phone charges these phone charges went off. Yeah, Like, wow. so many people started, like, buying them. Because I only saw, I sold them for, like, two bucks each, right? Mm. So, like, it was almost like every kid in the school bought one. Because I remember, like, I used to stand near the tuck shop. So, before kids would buy lunch, I'd, like, sell them phone stuff. And then I just wouldn't buy lunch. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's smart. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I remember it all got foiled by the school. Because one kid wanted to buy heaps of them. And his parents gave him money for an excursion and he came to school and gave me the money and didn't pay for the excursion. Oh, did he snitch? Yeah. So he snitched because he got caught because his parents obviously were like, what happened to the money? And they were like, oh, I bought these instead. Yeah. And I ended up getting caught on to because like kids were starting to steal money from their parents to like buy like this stuff from me. Yeah. And at this point, dad like found out. I feel like he probably was already pretty suspicious on what I was doing, mm-hmm. right? Because like my room was covered in like phone cases and stuff. Like <laughs> it's actually ridiculous. Like, see no evil, hear no evil. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so he just didn't, yeah. He was just like, but you can imagine all the stuff going on in our life at the mm-hmm. time. No one was asking me what I was doing. Yeah. Like I was just doing my own thing, right? Like you relate to your story, right? Like no one really asked you what you were doing because it was just. You know, doing your own thing. You Everyone's like, so focused on their own life. That's right. So that's, yeah, that's literally what it was. And I remember having to talk to my dad and he's like, hey, you got like a pretty cool thing here. Like you can make money with this. Why don't you go to the markets? Mm. So I ended up going down to the local Lansborough markets and started like actually like importing stuff from Alibaba, like legitimately like mm. ordering like a thousand phone charges and like FM transmitters, glass screen protectors, waterproof cases. Like 
I even bought a fish tank and bought a fake iPhone and like submerged it in the water to sell these cases and like yeah. I bought a little computer screen that would sit up the front of my market stall. Fast forward, it grew from like having like a table this big. So anyone that was watching, this is like a one by two and a half meter table or something like that. Mm. To and being at Lansbury Markets to going to the Caboolture Markets and having, I think it was a six by. Th- Six by six meter stall with something like twenty or thirty trestle tables. Yeah, well, of stock. Like <laughs> it was actually ridiculous. Like, and I was paying a nineteen year old to drive me there. What age were you when you got to Caboolture Markets when that started? Probably twelve, <laughs> twelve or thirteen, I think. Like yeah. that, something like that. Maybe a little bit older. No, I wouldn't. No, no, I wouldn't have been older because that's the next hustle. Yeah. And then all of these like. This is before anyone was doing it too. Like, you know, you go to shops now and they got these little center plaza things, right? All these pop-up. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's before any of that. They all started popping up and then all these people started like coming to the markets and doing the same thing as me. Yeah. And I was like, uh, that's fine. I'll find something new. Did you have a business name? Yeah, yeah, it was Dan's iPod and iPhone accessories and accessories were spelt wrong. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> it's unique. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely unique. The business name definitely wasn't taken. wasn't even registered. But no one is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, it was just a hobby. But, like, it's actually ridiculous because I was, like, 12 years old. I was paying a 19-year-old to drive me to the markets mm. who would sleep in the van because he was a uni student. Yeah. And because dad couldn't keep coming with me. And I'd get up at 2.30 in the morning, go there, like, literally, right? Like, imagine being 12, right? And there's, like, all your mates are like, oh, you come to skate park tomorrow? I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to the markets with my phone stuff. Yeah. I was making, like, it wouldn't be unusual to push a grand in a day. Yeah, well. And I had no financial intelligence. None. Like, I've got, some, I got uh, like, a term deposit account that I've had yeah. for ages. But, like... There's nowhere near as much in there as where there should be. Mm. I was like a dumbass because, once again, everyone was so busy just doing their own thing, yeah. right? Dan was like, oh, I'm going to go get an iPod. I'm going to get a new bike. I'm going to get a scooter. Um, I made like a fake website and competition for like ner- – I really wanted Nerf guns because that yeah. was like the craze at the time. And I was like, how can I get Nerf guns? Because Dad was a big believer in not wasting money and Nerf guns were a waste of money. So I was like, oh, I'm going to make a fake competition and a fake email address. I'm going to tell dad that I've won a Nerf gun competition (laughs) and they're giving me $1,000 to spend on Nerf guns. Yeah. So I remember like making all this fake stuff and I was like, I planted the seed like a week in ahead. I was like, oh, hey, dad, I just entered this Nerf gun competition and stuff. And he's like, oh, yeah, cool. I just not thinking anything of it. Mind you, this was my plan the whole time. And I was like, um... (laughs) <laughs> a week later I was like Like Called him And I'm like Dad Dad I won He's like what I was like I'll show you when you get home And he comes home And I showed him I could just like Made all of this shit up <laughs> And I was like Dad I won They're gonna let me spend A thousand dollars in Nerf guns And like I made like a <laughs> fake thing On like how it all worked Put it in spell check On like Google and everything So it was all spelled correctly Yeah And Anyway that night He drove me to Stockland. I honestly thought he was smarter than this, but he drove me to Stockland and Caloundra. I went to Kmart and spent $1,000 on Nerf guns. I had like three trolleys worth because he <laughs> thought that I won them on a competition. So like at, we're at the checkout 
and the lady's like, wow, that's, that's a lot of Nerf guns. And Dad's like, yeah, he won a competition. He ended <laughs> it like a week ago. And I somehow managed to convince Dad that I'd pay for it on my card. Then I had to email them the receipt and they would reimburse me for it. <laughs> I don't know how he even believed it. But, like, I used to just do all shit like that. Like, I'd buy inflatable yeah. boats and just, like, go put them in the creeks. So what did you do with the $1,000 worth of Nerf guns? Just have them chilling around your house playing with your brother? Oh, so I actually, like... I got nails and stuff like that, and I, like, had a full, like, closet. So, fun fun fact, right? So, I actually moved away from this house in Lansborough. Mm. I actually live in that exact same house now. Oh. Like, literally the same house. So, in the spare room in the house that I live in now, like, the house I grew up in is the house I live in again now that I rent. Yeah. Well. This is funnily enough, right? So, I had, like, a closet, and you'd open the closet up, and I had them all, like, wall-mounted. <laughs> like one of those movie scenes Literally like, like a James movie James Bond goes into the closet And sees all the guns hanging up That's exactly what it was like <laughs> I thought it was the shit And all my friends thought it was the shit Everyone thought it was just amazing I'm not gonna lie I saw that today I'm like that's the shit Dude I might low-key Might spend a thousand dollars In Nerf guns after this episode <laughs> <laughs> Let's put a Nerf gun one in the office Oh that would that be That would actually sick. be epic Hang one up somewhere Oh that would be sick A feature wall of Nerf guns Oh, don't, 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 don't. I can't win another competition. <laughs> but yeah, that was, yeah, I don't know where I'm going now. I've lost yeah. it, but yeah, that was just funny. Yeah, because you were going from, um, you had the phone charges and then you had to get a new business scheme because everyone was buying the exact same things as you at the markets and creating those stalls. So you have to move on to something else. Yeah, so I moved on to, what did I get on to after that? So after that, I got heavily into YouTube. So I got into gaming. Mm. So I remember using like some of the money that I had from that to buy like a jailbroken PS3, right? And I started getting heavily into like making YouTube content and all of this stuff, right? So like I started out with a just a normal Xbox One like back then. Mm. I was probably 13, 14 at this stage maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Some, yeah. Somewhere around there anyway in that time bracket. I was, like, hustling YouTube, like, hustling YouTube. Like, I was in high school at this time, and I was working an afternoon job at a local store for store credit because I was too young to actually work and get paid legally, Yeah, right? And I used to get home. I would film, like, a YouTube video. I would edit the YouTube video and upload the YouTube video, and I'd go to sleep. I'd wake up. I did that seven days a week. I ended yeah, up getting well. 500 subscribers in, I think, 15 months when I was, like, on my first channel. True. And I was like, okay, this is going too slow. I was like, how am I going to speed this up? So I remember I started a channel. Um, I'm not going to say what it was called, but... I started a channel and it was all about GTA 5 glitches and everything like that, like all the mods and everything, like yeah. money glitches. And fast tracking, I used to hustle the shit out of that again. I think in my first week, I hit 100 subscribers, mm. right? Because of the style of content, people yeah. loved it, right? And I was like, okay, how am I going to profit off this? Mm. And I started... Um, I started... I started and I bought a jailbroken PS3 and I started doing free money lobbies. 
jailbroken stuff back then was the shit, eh? It was the <laughs> shit, man. I got it from like Spain or something. I can't even remember where I got it from, right? Yeah. And I started doing like money glitches and like all this free content for people. Started getting heaps of subscribers. I had like 2,000 subscribers. Mm. Nobody at school knew that I was running the channel. Not even my best friend. My parents didn't know because I was obviously too embarrassed to tell anyone. I yeah. was like, I'm not telling anyone. Just anonymous. Used to edit it on the family computer mm. and then I would delete it all. Yeah. So I don't even have any remnants of the videos anymore, but the channel. Yeah. And then I just went hard with it and I ended up buying a jailbroken PS3. I started doing modded accounts for people and selling them. Mm. Um, and yeah, I'll have to be careful with what I say because it was illegal. It's all hypothetical. It's all hypothetical. So yeah, hypothetically, if I wanted to make money when I was that young, I would have started making these modded accounts for people and people would start paying me like, 20 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, right? Mm. Because the channel at the moment sits at 13,000 subscribers. Like, I've still got the channel, mm. right? But I think I had it up to, like, 16,000 subscribers. And I was, like, just in high school. And I was just, like, a young buck. No one, I think three people knew that I had the channel. Yeah. And no one else knew I had the channel. I was just, like, because obviously you're so embarrassed that you just keep it on the down low. And I remember people found out about my old one and I went to school and they like bullied me for it. So I stopped making videos on it and that's why I moved to the new channel. And I just abandoned that one. And then I ended up, that was a blessing in disguise because I ended up doing way better yeah. than what I would have originally. True. So I started making all these modded accounts and I became one of the most like, without sounding up myself. No, like big yourself up. I was literally just like this 13, 14 year old squeaker. Mm. And I became one of the, like, most respected, like, modders in the scene, right? That's like, sick. the go-to to get, like, the accounts and everything like that, right? These modded accounts. I ended up buying an Xbox One. I had I had an Xbox One. I had a PS4. I bought myself a gaming computer. I had, like, a table that was like this, but it would, like, <clears throat> like it wrapped around. And yeah. I had, like, a wood grain on it. I had, like, a triple monitor set up. Had like headphones, I had like new parcels like rocking up at the door every single day. And I remember the breaking point for dad was he came home one day and there was a big pallet at the front door mm. and it was my desk. <laughs> and he like opened it up and he looked at it and like it was a solid wood top. I was like, it cost me, I think, like 1,500 bucks, right? Mm. Mind you, like I'm working for store credit at a remote control shop. So dad's like in his head going, like, what is he doing? Yeah. And he cracked the shits and he's like, what are you doing? You need to tell us where you're getting this money from, right? Because I stopped doing like, I stopped doing like all the house chores for money because I was like, that's a waste of time. Like I can yeah. earn way more here, right? You're like a $1,200 desk rocking up. Yeah. And he started like, he goes, right, like him and my stepmom at the time, like so fast forwarding, my mom and dad split up um, on good terms. Just mum moved into a care home. Yeah. That's very uh, like when I was, I don't know how old I was. My mum then moved into a care home because it was deemed unsafe for her to live at home. Yeah. Uh, one of the hardest and best decisions that ever happened. I, I don't think she would be living as good of a life now if she still was to live in a home with us. Yeah. So I think that was a massive blessing in disguise as well at that time. Yeah. So, yeah. So sitting down with my stepmom at the time and my dad, and they sat me down and they said, right, where are you getting this money? And I was like, oh, shit. So I like had to show them. So I like showed them, I was like, this is my YouTube channel, this is my Twitter account. Yeah. I was like, these are all my customers, these are all my orders. And they were just like, mind blown. Yeah. They were just like, what the hell? 
And like while I was sitting there, I made like three more sales on the website. And they were like, when did you learn to code websites? And like yeah. all this shit, right? So I started getting into like all this. I became like literally like a geek. And all this is self-taught? 100% all self-taught. I didn't talk to anyone about any of it. I didn't tell anybody. The only person that knew was my brother. Yeah. Like I used to take my brother down to the 7-Eleven and I'd like shout him food. <laughs> like yeah, he had money, but I'd just shout him food because I was an idiot with money back then. Yeah. And probably still am. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about a feature role of Nerf guns again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably will do that. No, I won't. I won't. I won't. I've changed. Um, but <laughs> not really. I'll do it. Jaren? No. <laughs> Please? No. I just think it'd be. Um, yeah, so we'll get the Nerf guns. But <laughs> <laughs> I actually want to see it. I'm ADHD. What was I saying? Um, so we'll back. To your buying drinks for your brother and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, like, I was making, like, 500 bucks a day yeah. online, like, just making these modded accounts for people and stuff like that. And I ended up having, like, I think, like, if I was to be 14 years old and doing this, I would have had, like, probably 30 PayPal accounts under different names because they kept getting banned. Yeah. Because I obviously wasn't – I wouldn't have been 18, so I wouldn't have been yeah. able to have them. Yeah. And – um. Yeah, I ended up just doing that. Um, some shit happened in life. I feel like I hit like a bit of a dry spot and I started getting into like just going to the skate park and still making videos, funnily enough, right? I yeah. got right into photography. I stepped away from that online business because I like stopped enjoying it so much and it became too stressful. And Rockstar ended up like the owner of GTA 5 ended up coming out with like all these formal warnings yeah. to people saying that they're going to like start pressing lawsuit cases against people and all that. So like I'm like 14 years old reading this and I'm going, okay, I might, yeah. I might leave with what I've got and just mm. call it quits because they started getting really serious about it because yeah. they'd have in-game purchases, right? But like if people are buying accounts off like, modders they're losing so much money in the game because it's just cheaper to buy an account yeah um so i ended up getting out of that and i got into like computer programming so i got really deep into computer programming and like c sharp c plus plus java like uh dot net like html5 all of this stuff right this while you're just skating around heaps too you're doing that at the same time this was just before i was skating around i oh, just okay. like i started nerding out on like programming i started making all these computer programs mm. And then I ended up, um, I ended up building like a Skype tool that would like, and I don't want to say too much, but it was completely legal. But I ended up building a Skype tool, and I ended up like learning how to get really good at programming. And I started getting involved in like all like the anonymous chats and all like mm. the really like the anti-government like yeah. all this like. DDoSing attacks but like on major scales of like these groups and like everyone would just like pitch in all together and you'd all like target one IP address to like these government officials and I never did any of it obviously but like mm. you know all this stuff and I started getting like a bit too far into like the deep web and exploring like how far I could really go with programming and all this stuff yeah and I remember I just like started making all these like weird programs that would do like weird things like you know, I just started learning things that was far out of what I should have probably been learning. Mm. And I started to freak myself out with what I started to learn. Yeah. Like, I started to learn, like, how to get access to, like, people's Netflix accounts and all this stuff, which all seems, like, really little, but... At that age, I think when we're around 16, weren't you? I think yeah. We're just, I think we're just really curious. Probably 15. 15. Yeah. Super curious. I was so curious, and it was so fascinating. Mm. 
And I think still to this day, I have one in the top three most downloaded Skype tools in the world mm. because it was just a free program that I released. And I think it was like one of the top three. I think there's over like 200 YouTube reviews on it. Like mm. all this stuff, like this is 15 years old. Yeah. And I was just creating like some madness and I started getting way too far ahead of myself. Mm. And the teachers at school found out what I was doing. They were like, because I haven't even touched on the school subject. Yeah. I was like, I was like a rebellious kid in school. I did not fit in. I didn't want to do any of it. I didn't care. I'd go to school. I'd sleep. Mm. I was like, I can literally go home and make money. To be honest, it makes complete sense why school wasn't for you. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you would literally go to IT in school like doing the computer lesson, you'd know more than your teacher probably. I did. <laughs> exactly. So. Yeah. So I, you know how you get school laptops? Yeah. So I got a suspension for deprogramming the school laptops. So I completely like, because you know how they track everything you do? Yeah. I completely like wiped all the software on it, like all the school software. Yeah. And then I like would put keystrokes on the laptop. Mm. And then I would tell them that there's like, uh, so like if anyone that doesn't know what like a key, a keystroke is on a laptop, it's a virus that you put on where it manages and downloads every single keystroke that is made. Everything that you enter into the keyboard yeah. gets downloaded into a text document on a cloud. True. So, and then I took it to the IT department and I was like, hey, my laptop's not working. Can you help me? And I gave it to them. And you know what you do when you give it to them, right? They put in their own password and their own like, Admin type thing, yeah. Admin stuff. So I did that and I like worked out like I got passwords for like admin computers and stuff. So then I got an admin account mm. at school. My account was an admin account. Like they used to use like CMD and like Century MBA and like all these like weird like penetration softwares. Man, I thought, sorry to cut you off, but when I was in school, I thought I was a whiz because with our school laptops, all we had to do was turn off the Wi-Fi and then the school couldn't see what we're doing. So like in class, I'll be chilling, pretend them, you know, doing work, turn off the <coughs> Wi-Fi, playing Need for Speed or GTA. And I thought I was a wizard. And <laughs> I'm listening to you. I'm like, this is somehow high tech shit. Yeah. So like, you know, when, did you go to a public school? Yeah. Public. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, like when you forget your password, mm. they'd like have this little program that they'd open and they'd put in like your little username. So yeah. it'd be like one first letter of your name and then the first four letters of your last name and yeah. a number. Mm. Right. And then they could reset your password. I got I got access to that, right? Yeah. So I used to like my friends would just come to me and I'd reset their passwords <laughs> for them. And yeah, anyway, I got in a lot of trouble for a lot of things in school to do with technology. But yeah. they all found out what I was doing and I ended up getting like on an awards night, I ended up getting like this like I can't remember his name. Sorry if you're listening, probably not, but like some Rod Rod Turnbull like innovation award. Mm. Or something, it was like 500 bucks attached to it. And anyway, someone found out about what I'd done like slightly. And I think at one point I got dragged into the office and they were sitting me down and they're talking about me. And they're like, hey, we know school's not for you. Um, we have like an online uh, education thing here with like Harvard. So I had like the opportunity to go like online with like Harvard University, like, and yeah, well. like, wasn't confirmed but i think it was like either applying to be honest i didn't even listen but it was like either apply for it and they were like it looks pretty solid so mm -hmm. like if you'd apply for it you'd probably get it but me being me just hated classrooms 
and I enjoyed music before I went to school and then the education system made me hate music mm. and I was like I'm just not going to do this because I started scaring myself with what I started to learn Yeah, and I just decided that I just didn't want to do it and I wanted to go into YouTube creation got a camera got right into photography started a photography business now and what age is this? The photography this business? is when I was about 17, 18 cool, man. so this is coming into a bit more recent times so 17, 18, I was in high school, year 11, 12, just finished computer programming, like just got sick of it, just stopped doing it. Because when I was younger, I'd get bored and I hated being bored. I always needed something to do. If I didn't have anything to do, I'd find something to do. Yeah. And that's like how the computer programming came along. I'd just learn how to do something new. I loved learning and I loved being like always just moving. You know, if you're not growing, yeah. you're dying. So I always wanted to be doing something. So I'd just learn like, man... I went through a phase of learning like origami just so that I wasn't sitting there at night doing nothing. Yeah. Like I can, dude, if you gave me a piece of paper, I can fold a boomerang. I can make a boomerang, throw it and it'll come back to you. <laughs> I can make like ninja stars and like some proper good stuff. Well, at least you're being productive in positive ways. Well, that's right. And I think that also just came down to, and I think like my girlfriend says this a lot, is I just keep myself so busy. Maybe not to run away, but I think just to stay away from like, Maybe even some potential trauma, mm. like of just like childhood, I guess. I just like to keep really busy because when I'm not busy, I get down. Yeah. I get really like depressed. Like I can't relax. Do you think it's because you don't know how to be down and have that downtime because you've been so busy from a young age from, you know, taking out the trash, doing the dishes, doing the cooking, waking up and doing all these things. I don't think you've had too much experience with when you went to your friend's house and just playing Xbox and people cooking for you. I think maybe your mind and the way you're wired was programmed at that age. So now where that's just your natural state of being. 100%. So now when you stop and relax, it's not normal. Mm. Yeah, 100%. I would, yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I'd so say that, that. So would you say instead of avoiding trauma, it could just be the way you're now wired or potentially both? Yeah, I think it would be a combination of both. I definitely, definitely work to like because my mind will just run rapid mm. if i'm not doing something so i think i definitely work to stay away from some form of like i just like working is probably just i just love working yeah so does i always feel like i need to be doing something does it burn you out doing too much yeah yeah i get burnt out like i feel burnt out this week coming towards the end of this year i'm like mm. holy shit there's yeah. a lot going on but you just got to just readjust your focus and go again. Yeah, this readjust. This is what I do. Recenter. 100%, man. Just recenter and just attach the purpose and the thing that you're working so hard towards to something bigger than you. Mm. You know, like every person that I know that has got, that has drive and not motivation, because I've got a saying that I always say is motivation is an emotion mm. and emotions leave as fast as they come. So Facts. motivation is temporary. Drive is a permanent state of mind mm. that stems from a place of something that's bigger than you. Yeah, and it sounds like you're very in your masculine because the masculine energy is all about um, purpose and drive. Mm. So, you know, it sounds like that's exactly what you've been stepping into. Yeah, maybe, yeah. I've always been very driven. And I, earlier in the potty when I said that I was very, like, uh, observant from a young age... That's another reason I got into business because I was like, I don't want to, 
like I watched how hard my dad worked and my mum worked and my pop worked and all these people pop died at 60 mm. and like I was like fuck that yeah I don't want to work the rest of my life for somebody else mm. I was like something's got to change here well you're like completely independent aren't you right now or nearly like in terms of business and yeah, yeah, yeah. Life, I like could photography, clothing, and all that. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I'm like definitely hundred percent independent. I still work at a day job. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know why I work there. I don't think I'm scared. I think I just. I don't know. You might be more sense of a community. So when you go to work, there's a community of people you can socialize with. I love the people that are there and my customers. I get along really good with my boss and I learn a lot while I'm there. Mm. And I think it almost grounds you. Yeah. And it makes me so hungry to do even better because I'm like, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. I don't like the taste of that. Yeah. Because I've been in situations before where you do well and then you become complacent. So I feel like having that thing there where it's like it doesn't allow you to become complacent is so healthy. Especially when you say that you constantly work and if you leave that, then you're probably going to fill that with another, some type of work anyway. Yeah, 100% I will. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I say that to my girlfriend, I'm like, just give like, you know, I'm like, you know, it's all good. Like when I do this, I'll, I won't have to work so much. And she's like, no, you'll just find something else. Yeah. It's like, yeah. You're probably right. Yeah. You're probably right. <laughs> just focus on the breath, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so backtrack a bit. So photography, that's when you first got into it at 17, like actually some, what would you say, would you go into a full-time, part-time? Like so I, I was still at school. So my, so I, when I was like 15, I made a promise to myself that I would never work a full-time job for somebody else in my whole life. That was a promise that I shook myself on. And I was like, I don't give a fuck what happens in your life. You will never, ever work on someone else's job full-time, mm. ever. So I've never had a full-time job. I've worked four days a week. That is sick, brother. You've set your mind to it and you've done it. I've worked four days a week, but it's not full-time. Yeah. Full-time five days. So fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I, um, like, I was still in school and the only way I was going to get out of school, the only way my parents would let me out of school was if, like, my mum and my stepmom and my dad, that is, is if I had an apprenticeship to go to. And I was like, um, that's full time. I'm not doing an apprenticeship. Yeah. Not doing an apprenticeship. So I somehow made it through school while building a photography business. I had all this external pressure by people, uh, whether it be like family, friends, like the people I was working for, like whoever it was, because I started doing pretty well in photography business. I started like doing weddings and like even at some point I had like someone coming to like, helped me like shoot weddings as well and I started doing like pretty decent in like you know high school with the weddings I was like some literally some like I remember I had one week was like two grand because I did like two weddings in a weekend oh like it was it was hectic but like the work the amount of work that goes into that is just Mm. insane I've had for um, weddings are full on because you gotta take so many photos and there's just so much around you gotta capture so many moments it's stressful, man. It's not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like I literally just like like everything I do, all or nothing, I got addicted to it. No balance. Just went all in. Did really well with it. And then I burnt out. Mm. And then I just didn't enjoy it because I had all these people around me 
set this expectation for me where they're like, oh, you're going to own a massive photography company. And the whole time I just knew that that's like, I love it, but it's not really what I want to do. Like I got, like that tattoo there is my pop's old camera. Stay focused. And uh, yeah, that's the quote that I wrote on there. Stay focused on the dreams and the goals that you want to do. Mm. And photography is one of them things that I'll take my hat off to any single day because I genuinely feel like that's what, like that really set me up. Like, and I've said this to Jam before, like the things that I've done in my past, whether it be video editing, whether it be voiceovers, whether it be filming, whether it be photography, making websites, programming, graphic design. I didn't even touch on, like I've done so many things to make money online. Yeah. I feel like that really just throws us into like how I was able to like start venture and go so well with venture Mm. and everything like that. So like, to answer your question, yeah, the photography business went well, ran it for like two, three years. I think it had like, you know, like got a fair bit of attention, was shooting like quite a lot of shoots, but just fell out of love with it due to external pressure. I felt like yeah. everybody else wanted me to be something that I didn't want to be. And I feel like everyone set this expectation of like, oh, Dan's going to go do this and he's going to have a really successful photography business. But do you feel like you're not succeeding to the point because you weren't meeting the goals of, what they vision for you? Yeah, like when I when I came out of school, I was like, people just thought I was just going to quit my part-time job that I had and just go straight into photography business, and I could have. Mm. I did the opposite. I stopped posting and I stopped doing weddings and I finished up my commercial shoots and was like, that it, that was it, because I pushed so hard. You can only push so hard before it pushes back, mm. and it pushed back. It was like, yeah. hey, you're not fucking invincible, and I ended up in hospital with like, severe swelling like in my legs and I had a hematoma in my leg and all this stuff and although that was caused from something else they said that it was also a fact of my immune system and my whole body was that drained yeah that it wasn't able to fight enough it's just like a warning shot fired at me to be like slow down mm. because I was like I was sleeping like four or five hours a night yeah it was crazy and at this time I think I was still running like another YouTube channel or something like that mm. so yeah, it, it wasn't good, but I'm so grateful for all those things I've done and photography is something I'm so passionate about. I'd say you live and you learn. Yeah, 100%. Now, so now you've got that lesson to try and pace yourself when things are getting full on. Just slow down, stick to your vision, stick to your goal and go at your pace, not everyone else's pace. 100%. I couldn't agree more with that, honestly. Mm. So when did Venture Clothing come into the whole scheme of things? 21st of May, 2020. So about two years after your photography? Yeah. So after my photography business, I had a big realisation because I built this business and I had like money coming in and all this stuff. But I didn't feel like fulfilled. I didn't feel like, and I knew that I had a lot of work to do. So that's when my personal development journey started. Mm. That's when I realised that there was work that I had to do on me. Because you can go and create like, you know, like they say it in the book, Rich Dad Poured Out. Have you read it? No, I've read it. It's like you can't build the Empire State Building on a concrete slab that's built for a house. Mm. And that's what I was trying to do. It's only so long before it'll tip over. And that's what happened to me. I didn't build like, I didn't build the mindfulness, the mindset and everything. Like I've always had the mindset of like, I'm going to fucking do it. Mm. Anything I set to my mind to, I will get it. Like I don't, like I'll, I'll confidently sit here and say today, like, 
I'll even read my goals out. No, I won't because there's personal ones in there. But, like, I genuinely believe in my own mind that if I tell you that I'm going to own 400 skyscrapers in Dubai, mm. there's probably not even that many in Dubai, but if I really wanted to, I'd, yeah. I would do it. Mm. And that's how I've always been. If I want something, I will get it. I believe it. You know, you, you've mm. been you've been hustling since you were young. Like, yeah. Hey, You've been buying stuff, selling stuff, like a thousand phone charges. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've worked more hours in my life than like most seven-year-old people. Yeah. And it's funny because of how I look. When you talk to seven-year-old people, they just think I'm like a bum that's probably on Centrelink that's just like smokes marijuana all day. Mm. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> I love it. So, so this plays into our venture clothing. So yeah, yeah, so everything that's just combining into venture – like over the past, like every single skill that I'd learned over time just combined into venture, which launched on the 20th of, I forgot what I said. March. March. 2020. Or March or May or May. something. Yeah. I don't know. It was around 2020. Yeah. Halfway through 2020. Yeah. Well, and what was the inspiration about getting the clothing brand? Because before you had the clothing brand, like you didn't really have anything similar that would replicate to getting the clothing brand. So was there a spark and one to do that? Yeah. So... It's actually not the clothing, funnily yeah. enough. It's actually the message that is behind the brand. So mm. I think subconsciously growing up, just being around your mum getting sick and realising how valuable life is, I think you start to just sort of like learn. I, I started to like analyse things from a young age and I was like, hey, I need more out of life. I'm actually, I'm going to live to survive. Like, Sorry, I'm going to like, I'm going to live to live, not just to survive. Mm. So many people are just floating through life, just surviving. Yeah. And, you know, like as dark and gruesome as this sounds, it couldn't be any more true and it represents me to a T. I would literally rather be dead than work and build someone else's dream for the rest of the life. Yeah. And like, I know that sounds gruesome, mm. but I... I couldn't do it, man. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd rather kick the bucket. Like, why put 40 hours a week in the someone else's project when you can put that and more into your own? That's it, man. And it's like, if that's what I'm destined to do, take me away because I, I could not do it. Mm. And I know there's probably people listening that are like, holy shit, that's dark. But I, I just couldn't do it, man, because I wouldn't be living life. Yeah. You'd just be surviving. Yeah. I like, my biggest fear is just being normal, man. And it's just, mm doing what everyone else does yeah like i to the point where i was like i will see people do something one way and i will intentionally do it the other way just so i'm just not the same as everybody else <laughs> yeah. like just the littlest things that i see people do i'll do it the opposite way because i just do not want to follow the path yeah because you look at where we followed the path to and everyone is just we all end up in the same place like why why take advice from somewhere that someone that hasn't gone where you want to go. Exactly. It's like, I don't want to rely on a superannuation when I'm 65 and Fuck. get that money when I retire. Like, Think about it, man. Don't even get me started on the superannuation, <laughs> man. They're literally just like, hey, if you work your whole life, we'll force your employer to put money away so you can live off Raisin Toast when you're 60 years old. Yeah, and if, so, you're, if you're healthy enough to be here and enjoy whatever money you got, that's awesome. Yeah, you'll probably be shitting yourself, but you'll yeah. have money in the account, so <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, like, especially with this new age era that's come into play, like, entrepreneurship is becoming big. I think you got in really early. 
like before it actually Yeah, became, I've been doing it a little while. Just a little while, yeah. A little while. Because <laughs> <laughs> for me personally, I didn't get into this like entrepreneurial mindset, personal development until I was about 20, 21. And I feel mm. like it's become a, such a big step now where people are starting to realise. You're not even 21 years old, mate. You're 18. <laughs> Don't bullshit me. 14. But, <laughs> 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 well, you know, like it's... People are starting to realise what you're saying now. Like, do you want to go do their own thing with more of a passion? I think COVID triggered that too. Because when mm. people got locked indoors, like, that right? That caused a shift in the yeah, world. And everyone's did. like... Everyone started working from home. They're like, why the fuck am I driving an hour to the city to go sit in an office with people I don't like when I can sit at home and make money. They're saying money even more. That's it, man. And that's like the whole story behind venture, man, is the event. That, that's the motto is venture is... Created to inspire. Created to inspire. Mm. And it was meant to be a watch brand with my best mate Lachlan at the time. Yeah. And we were going to fly to China and get these watches made. So we're, inv- we're motivated by, like, inspired by a brand called Movement Watches. Yeah. And we were like, dude, this is sick. Like, it's not the watch. It's the, it's the, it's, because I remember ordering one of these Movement Watches and I wore it and I felt like, mm. almost felt like someone believed in me. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. so weird, but just wearing something and I, like, felt this sense of, like, emotion, like, overcome me where I was like, holy fuck, like. Yeah. Like the intention behind it. I can do this. Like, it's just from a watch. And I realized that it was the emotion that the product created, not the product that people were buying into. Mm. And, you know, like Jaron was talking about on his episode, you have like two minds. You've got the creator and you've got the consumer mind. So I'm always looking at things from a creative mind. So I look at things and go, why would someone click on that? Why would they buy that? Blah, 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 blah. Jaron's worse than me. And I always have to pull him up and go, hey, Switch out of your creator mind and look at the consumer mind. That's why that's doing so well. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess I w- always just thought about that stuff and I got that watch and I was like, no, nah, I want to do something. I want to inspire people. I want to go, like, let's do something. And I was pushing really hard to make it happen. Um, and, you know, at the time, Lachlan was pretty keen as well. Um, and we were, like, pretty much had everything booked. Like, we literally had, like, our accommodation... We even had, like, a translator, like, ready to go in China for the Canton Fair, which is, like, a massive fair they do over there for, like, yeah. getting stuff made. And then uh, COVID hit. Mm. And it was uh, no longer. Six months had passed. The idea just died. But every single day I woke up, I just had this little spark in my head. And it was just, like, could not get, couldn't get it out of my head. Mm. And I remember I was on Mount Kutha one night with Lachlan, and I had, like, this epiphany. And I was like, no. Nah. <clears throat> I was like, that's fucking it. So I don't care how we get this message out there. We're getting the message out there. I said, I don't care if it's through thongs, G-strings, <laughs> watches, hats, headphones. Yeah. I don't care what it is. you have any G-strings in stock? Oh, <laughs> I've got some samples on the way just for you, actually. <laughs> <laughs> some mankinis. <laughs> um, I just said, I don't care how we put the message across. It's not the product I want to sell. It's the message. I love that. And then... Yeah, man. Literally within the space of two months, it was up. Mm. Everything. Again, all or nothing. Yeah. Everything I had just went into it. All money in. All money in. Everything. Energy. Just time. Thought. Everything. I just went ham with it. Yeah. I was relentless. Like, I get people message me and they're like, how do you start your clothing brand? How do you do this? How do you do this? And, you know, I think 2% of people are entrepreneurs and 
98% of people are entrepreneurs. Yeah. So many people fucking want it, but no one is willing to do the work. Mm. I have people that come in here, right, and sit mm. across from this table because I'm too nice and I give people too much time. Mm. And they go, I want to start a clothing brand. And I go, great. Do you want to do screen printing, DTG, mm. embroidery, or heat transfer? And they look at me and go, what? Yeah. And I'm like, what are you doing here? Mm. Like, I have watched every single video on YouTube about how to screen print. I've watched every single video on YouTube about how to run a brand. I've watched all of the Ben Francis, Jim Shark behind the scenes things 10 times. Yeah. Like, I've taken courses. When I started Venture, I literally drove around for two weeks straight. I was doing like 3,000 something. No, like... I think I ended up, yeah, 3,000 to 6,000 kilometers mm. in like a week or two, driving around the Sunshine Coast to every single screen printer. And I'd just talk to them and I'd learn something. Yeah. And I'd get prices and I'd get catalogs and I'd learn. I learned not to do this color because it washes out easier and da 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 da. I learned all this stuff, right? I started learning about quantities and price breakdowns, the best blanks, mm. all this stuff. That hustle is what it takes to succeed in something you want to do. It's how you manifest it, you know, people. Yeah, confused with manifestation. Yeah, you speak it, cool. But then you also what you're speaking, you gotta put into action as well and then it manifests. I seen a Instagram by the other day. It said you can't just visualize it and then go and make noodles. Mm. And it's so true because so many fucking people do that. Like I'm all for manifestation. I got a picture of a dream my dream car up, right? Which I'm gonna buy this year. Everywhere. I'm huge on manifestation. Like my next tattoo is gonna be something to do with manifestation. I'm massive on it. You can't just do it and then, like, it's like boiling a kettle, man, to make a coffee, right? It's like, yeah, you can flick the kettle on and boil the kettle, but if you don't put the water in the kettle, you're not going to have a fucking coffee. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, why all these people think that they can flick the kettle on, right, by manifesting something and then put no work into it and then it's just going to come to fruition? Yeah. This is not how it works. Like, the world doesn't just deliver shit to you on a silver platter. It's like taking accountability. That's... That's one thing I've always been big on, and that's because it was taught in my family. Yeah. Is if you fuck up, it's no one else's fault but you. Mm. You know, like, just take responsibility for your shit and realize that if you don't do, do something, then that's on you. And I've given, and the reason this, I say I'm pissed off at the moment is because I have, like, invested so much of my time into people mm. that have wasted my time because they didn't, like, they didn't appreciate what I've said or anything like that or they just take it, like, for granted or they don't do anything with it. Like, I've tried so hard to bring people up, like, with me. And that's not trying to make myself... Like, I'm the most humble person you'll ever meet. Like, probably not the most humble. But, like, I I would consider myself a fairly humble person, right? Like, I don't try to talk about achievements or like you wouldn't have even known any of that stuff that i've done no i've known you for four months and this is the first time i've heard like most of the things about you because i don't tell anybody about it because it to me it's not really relevant you know what i mean so like i consider myself a pretty humble person but like i've tried so many times to bring people up with me to the point where i've put myself last and helped people like go do things and I just feel like I get spat back in my face every time. You just focus on yourself, man, and the, the right people will attract to you. That's it, man. And I had that, like, after I helped the last person, I said no more, and I promised myself no more. And I met this guy. And then I was Wonton like... Soup. 
Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Wonton Soup. Nah, so then I met Jaren and I thought, nah, I'm not going to help him. I'm just going to see what happens. I'll, if he want, if he asks for time, I'll give him time, right? And that this isn't to make it sound like I've given Jaren what he has because that kid has worked harder than anyone would know on stuff he's got. Mm. But I remember when I met Jaren, something that like striked me like incredibly well about him was like you would tell him to do something and he would just be like, bang wouldn't no questions just bang if he wanted to know something he'd ask if you'd give him advice he would take it on board and he'd use it yeah and just to clarify he doesn't do that as to be a people pleaser he does that because he's a go-getter he's a fucking go-getter and i i've like watched jaron in the last 12 months go from literally just like and this isn't the shit on jaron he was he was going places with or without but like I've seen this kid put his foot on the accelerator, like, ridiculously. Mm. Like, this photography course that he's worked on, I don't think people understand the amount of time that he's put into it. Like, it is just ridiculous. And things with his brand, like, you know, without taking anything away from, like, I'd already launched a brand, so I was happy to give him the advice. Mm. But I was careful with how much I gave him because people in the past had just shit all over it. Yeah. And... I would just give him simple advice and he would go have a go before he would come back and be like, oh, that didn't work. Whereas previously, like I've told someone something and they just try it for like three seconds. Like, that doesn't work. How do I do it? And I just want you to do it for them. Yeah. Like he will sit there for, f- I've seen him sit there for four hours before and I've just said nothing and he's doing it wrong. I'm just waiting for him to ask me how to do it. Yeah. And he gives it a go and then goes, oh, that didn't work. I'm like, oh yeah, you had to do this at the start. And he's yeah. like, you didn't tell me. You didn't think to tell me that style? Like, yeah. no. <laughs> but like, I say that because it's like, I said I wasn't going to help anyone else. And not that I've helped Jaren, but like, he was like the last, like, I was like, seen something different in this kid. Like, I almost seen like a bit of myself. And I was like, yeah, he's going to go far. But I say that because there's probably people listening to this right now that want to achieve something, but they don't want to put the work in or they don't know how to put the work in or all this stuff or they're like they've got a vision board but they come home and they drink beers or they still go to their mate's house on the weekend and they smoke cones or they go do this or they go do that and it's like you may as well like i'll just say you may as well just take that vision board down and just put it in your closet because if you're not willing to change your habits because the idea of success and business and money and financial freedom and all this thing is so nice in the head ask anyone i don't think there's anyone that disagrees that having money would be nice only people that are in denial but i think anyone that's not in denial i don't think you could find a person that says they wouldn't enjoy having a little extra money and a little extra free time and all Mm. this like you know cool stuff that comes with the freedom of having money yeah i don't think there's anyone that wouldn't want that no no way but fuck me man how many people are willing to work for it like i'm not i'm not afraid to say it i'll like, I want to be a billionaire. Like, Dude, you will be. You yeah, will be. I know I will be. But that's like, I'm hungry for that. It's going to it's gonna get there. But then like, you know, it's all about breaking that narrative of wanting money. Because there's such a bad stigma around that too. And like everything that you're saying now, there can be a bad, sti- bad stigma of what you're saying. But it's honestly around, if you want to go get something, you got to take accountability of your actions. You know who broke that stigma for me? Was my boss. Mm. He said to me, what do you want? What are you working towards? 
Are you working towards money? No, nah, no, nah, I don't. I'm not working towards money. I don't care about money. He looks at me and goes, "Well, what are you working towards?" I was like, "Oh, well, this is my dream car." He's like, "How do you buy a dream car?" I was like, "Money." He's like, "Yeah." I was like, "No, no, no." But I also just want like family. He's like, oh, "Okay, so what's like family to you?" He's like, "Well, you know, never wondering where the next dollar's coming from for food, or mm. being able to spend as much time with them as I can." And like, he just a term that I always use is he. He gave me the hammer and the wood and I built a box around myself and he goes, you just box yourself in, dickhead, you want money. Yeah. And that was a realisation I had was like, I wanted to help homeless people. I want to give money here. I want to donate money here. I want my girlfriend to not have to work and be able to be there with our kids every single day. Mm. Like, I can't wait to have kids. Yeah, I I'm feel so you. excited to have kids, man, and be a dad. Like That shit excites me. And be a full-time dad as well, not slaving away at someone else's company 40, 50 hours a week. I don't want to be a one-hour-a-day dad. Mm. And I want to be a young dad. And that's why I'm working now because that's what I want to touch on next is like the amount that I've sacrificed is like people wouldn't begin to be able to understand. Mm. I've never consumed alcohol. I've never had a cigarette. I've never smoked any marijuana or touched marijuana. Mm. I've not... Ever single, like never once have I stepped into a club, mm-hmm. gone clubbing, gone to the pub for beers, never had beer. Like, I, I haven't done any of that stuff. Why would you say that is? Dude, I honestly just think I'm so driven on what I'm doing that anything that gets in the way and deters and takes away from that can fuck off. Mm. And I think that's just one of them. You know what the crazy thing is? Um, because you're saying this and it sounds so alienated for so many people, but it's because substances are so normalized in our culture mm, that's, I agree. that's not a good thing yeah and when you say that you've never done this thing and you're so driven it sounds weird which it shouldn't that should be what people strive for mm. but instead our culture that we're surrounded in is all substance abuse yeah man i dude i had like two paths growing up man it was like you, you either you work you create something for yourself like you know, looking around at my childhood, it's like you either work your ass off now and you create a different life for yourself and your family mm. or you just repeat the same mistakes that everyone else just keeps repeating and you just have the same life. Yeah. And like I said before, man, I'd rather be dead than live the life that, you know, like no offence that my ancestors have lived. Mm. Like fuck work for someone else my whole life, man. Mm. I, I couldn't do it. Well, if you don't need to, you don't need to. That's right, man. And it's like you either, you know, like... Dion always says, is, is like, if you do what the masses do, you get what the masses get. And I always felt like I perceived things very differently. I was very analytical. I thought very differently to a lot of people. Mm. And that's the whole thing behind venture. Like, getting back to that story, yeah. it's like, yeah, man, I just worked my ass off on it. I was putting in, like, pretty much all the effort into it. And I was just, like, I was hustling on this brand, man. Like, working four days a week, managing a car wash, and up to... Th- 3.30 in the morning every single night packaging orders in a little storage shed that I had because I've mm. lived out of home since I was like 17, I think. Yeah. And I just wanted to create something for myself, man. Like comes back to the fact is like when I set my mind on something, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And I did it and I manifested it. I've manifested so many things in my life and like, yeah, I'm just, just getting started. Like even the podcast, man. Mm. I remember sitting down for the first time watching like an impulsive episode I'm like, one day I'm going to start a podcast. Yeah. 
and then I like, manifested it, and then like I took a lot of inspiration from their set. Make a dope space. That's why it's on the vision board over there is the impulsive setup. But <laughs> <laughs> but like you know, the setup is sick too. Like it, it seems like it's something that you definitely envision. Like you had the idea already. I, dude, I closed my eyes one night and I was like, that's what I want the set to look like, mm. and then I just made it happen. Mm. Like this is like. A ridiculously stupid amount of money put into this. Mm. Not it's gonna an, say, it's an investment. Yeah, probably not the wisest investment, but it's a good investment. <laughs> I could have just made way with just the microphones and the soundboard, but yeah. we ended up getting a TV, LED lights, bricks, walls, pallets, tables, chairs, yeah. <laughs> headphones. We, we went way lighting. We went way overboard with it. But and the one thing I find so good about podcasts is it gives you like the permission to sit down with someone you know or someone you don't know and have that open, healthy conversation with people. Yeah, dude, I, I couldn't agree more. And it's definitely, I actually started one just to like network and meet new people and just like get to share people's story. Mm. Cause um, yeah, this has been like a, a good episode and it was probably a bit rough in the start. Cause the story is like, it's, it's honestly hard to talk about cause I don't ever talk about it. Yeah. So I feel like it almost feels good to share. Mm. in a way do you know what i mean yeah um i understand what you mean yeah but like there's a really different experience so yeah like i'm sitting here talking with you i don't want it to end like there's so many questions i got but i think we'll ask questions bro i got time all right i sweet. got time so with your drive and i was trying to keep it to an hour and a half for you but if you want to go over that's fine oh, i have no time okay. yeah, cool, <laughs> I, cool, cool. I can fly like a butterfly my brother <laughs> so when it comes with the drive and everything that you do what helps you stay centered and grounded if you do have that at the moment what was that sorry so everything that you do so all your drive and um everything you do in terms of work and creating new things and ideas and manifestation how do you say grounded grounded like in touch with reality in touch with yourself and your presence that's a really good question because the external, there's so much happening. I'm assuming internally too there is. That's why all this all this is happening. But how do you bring all that to a standstill? I don't know if I'm the best at doing it. I think I have become real present with myself and like, you know, like through breath work and certain like forms of meditation. Mm. Um, I find like, like that is like the easiest time for me to chill out. Like... Um, like reading books is like good to sort of like chill and ground myself. But honestly, I would say personally for myself, just going out like on adventures, mm. like would be like my biggest like grounding myself, like just going on an adventure and getting away from the hustle and bustle, but it's still productive because I need photos for the brand. Yeah. But it's um, like, it's like downtime for you because you're going to do something you enjoy. Yeah, and me yeah. and Jaren don't do that enough, but we are we are trying to incorporate that and do that a lot more because we understand that we need to do do more of that. Um, but honestly, man, in terms of like grounding myself, I would say that my beautiful girlfriend is probably like the main source of grounding me. Yeah, I feel like she is the one that's like sees when I'm going too hard and too fast, mm. and is able to be like. I don't listen to a lot of people because yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. But like she has got the thing where she'll tell me and I'll be like, mm. okay, maybe I'll slow down. And then I don't slow down and then it pushes back and I go, oh, shit, I'm going to listen to you. You're right. Yeah. So 
So I'd probably say my girlfriend. Oh, that's amazing. Shout out. Shout out, Chloe. Yeah. Been together <laughs> for five and a half years. Oh, that's amazing. Five yeah. and a half years. Yeah, wow. Met when we were 15 and 16. That 14 is. and 15. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's Congrats, been a brother. long time, mate. That's so good. Yeah. So with, um, are you too familiar with like masculine, feminine? Not entirely. Yeah. So yes, to me, speaking with you, it seems like you're very driven and you're masculine. Do you ever tap into your feminine? Like are you very in tune with your emotions and how you can speak about them with certain people? I'm not asking you to pull your heart out of the air, but I'm just no, 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 checking yeah. if you do have people that you around you that you can tap into your feminine with. Yeah, I think I think I'm getting better at it. Mm. I think for a long time I was like very sheltered off and I think like in certain points when things get hard, I think I intend to work more yeah. to get away mm. from it. But I think I've become a bit more like self-aware these days uh, to the point where I am able to like tap into that fem... fem I can't... <laughs> feminine. That feminine... <laughs> fuck. <laughs> that... The female side more. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think in terms of that sort of stuff, I'm definitely getting better at like tapping into that side. But yeah, probably again, just like my girlfriend. Yeah. Because I, I struggle to do that with people because I hate like the pity pot again. Mm. Like, you know, like, oh, like me and Jan went out the other day and someone brings something up about like my mum being on the news in the shops or like whatever. You saw people feeling sorry for you. Yeah, yeah. I really dislike when people feel sorry for me because it makes it probably makes you feel like you've had a bad life when people start feeling sorry for you would you say or is it different yeah i guess so <laughs> man like i feel like it makes it seem like i'm at a disadvantage mm. when i'm not i just don't like the attention yeah you know i'd i'd rather someone just say like nothing yeah <laughs> to, to be honest with you man like I, the thing that lights me up inside is when people message me and they're like hey, man, I've started this because you inspired me to, or I started this because you showed me it was possible, mm. or this or that. That's what lights me up. Yeah. They're the messages I love because that's like my mission. And I only get them on a really small scale at the moment. Mm. But like, I know there's some people out there I've inspired. And that yeah. that's like, that fulfills me. Man, I can give you flowers now and let you know that with my clothing brand that's about to be launched, you gave me quite a bit of game in terms of promotion with that too so you'll crush it right and when you <laughs> launch it you can come up here and we'll sit down with big piece of paper like engineers and we're going to create a <laughs> massive plan yeah and it's going to do six figures in the first like two months mm, six weeks six weeks <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah i was reading your um quote to create to inspire like i yep. just realized mine rhymes with that mine um, bug and bills one Yours is created to inspire. Ours is freedom we desire. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So I just saw her rhymes. I was like, that's pretty Freedom sick. we desire. Love freedom it, man. we desire, yeah. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, we're a bunch of <clears throat> free young lads and we just want to live life on our term. I, I helped another fellow launch a clothing brand and his was aspire to inspire. No? Inspire to aspire. I don't know, something like that. Inspire, aspire to inspire. Yeah, I don't know. I think I know what you're trying to yeah, say. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know what I'm trying to say, to be honest. So if you do, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I think our listeners may too. <laughs> so also, you're doing a really good health kick thing as of late too, like cutting out all the soft drink and stuff. Like every time minus I see... the cookies. Yeah, minus the cookies, but, you know, we can have a little cookies every now and then. Yeah, yeah, that's it, eh? Yeah, but, so yeah. do you want me to touch base on that? Yeah, yeah, just because I know that 
things like that, it can be really addictive. I've seen people like addicted to just stuff like soft drink and sugar and all all the wow, people addicted stuff. to soft yeah, drink. Yeah, I know. How, really? how crazy is that? Doesn't yeah, make sense. Wow, like. <laughs> I know. I wonder what idiot gets addicted to soft drink? So, <laughs> so yeah. So again, back to and this is why I'm glad that I went through the childhood story as like rough as it was to get through it. I guess. Um, because it, again, it stems back, right? Like just being, everyone was just so focused on their own thing. Mm. Like I, when I was younger, just, I don't know, man, I was just fed soft drink. Like yeah. that's all I knew, right? It was never like, never taught to brush our teeth because it was make sure mum's ready for bed yeah. or make sure your lunch is ready for tomorrow or make sure you feed the dogs or make sure your school uniforms are in a washing machine or you know what I mean? Like yeah, it, yeah. the focus wasn't on that little things, right? Mm. And that's obviously gone on to create massive problems for me. Like in my, you know, like things like not like drinking water. Yeah. People almost fall over when I tell them that by no word of a lie would I intentionally drink less than like two liters of water a year. The people legitimately almost fall over when they hear that because people don't understand that when I was young, I was making like money being a young kid yeah. and I had no idea what I was doing with it. I would live off cheese and bacon pies and soft drink. Mm. And the reason I ask this question is because I relate to it. So growing yeah. up, the only other time I'd drink water, if I was at a friend's house and like their parents offered me it, and I'd be like, oh, I feel bad if I say no. That would be the only time I drink water because I was the same. I grew up with my family just feed me pies or fish fingers. Yeah, like, the fish get, fingers yeah, go hard. The fish man. finger sandwiches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to tomato sauce and potato smiley faces. Anyway, yeah, I went. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, but like when I started getting my own money, I just started drinking iced coffee for a living. That when I was like 19, 20, that's when I was like, I should probably start drinking water. Yeah, man. At my place, there is a. Um, a box that is like probably 1.2 meters by 1.2 meters by like 1.5 meters high. Yeah. It is full of like one liter Mountain Dew bottles. Mm. I would drink three to five liters of soft drink a day. Oh, wow. It'd be easy, eh? I would, bro, just chuff it mm. easily. No, you know. I, and I did that for like, fuck, like literally probably like my whole life. No, literally my whole life. Because I always had money when I was younger. Yeah. I never had to drink water. Because you know when you're younger and you don't have any money, but you just drink water because water's free. It's like out of the bubble, like mm. whatever it is, right? I would always just have soft drink on me. Yeah. Like if I was going home, I would stop and buy like 15 bottles of soft drink to last me a few days. Because I just always had money and I'd just put them in the pantry or I'd put them in my room or like whatever yeah. it was right before school. I'd go down and buy two litres of soft drink. I'd drink that after school. I'd walk there and buy more. So what helped with the transition from drinking like soft drink to that water? What was the thing that helped you guard through into now just we don't get the cravings? I think it just comes down to everything I've done in life. It's like, do you really want it or do you sort of want it or mm. are you going to fucking want it? Like, are you going to do it? Is that engraved drive? That's it, man. That's yeah. all it came down to, right? Because people are like, oh, how do you do it? I might not be the best person to take advice from just speaking from my experience. But it's like, for me, it's like, again, all or nothing. Do you sort of want it or are you going to fucking do it? 
Yeah. And that's what it was for me. It was like, I said, when I turn 21, I'm going to stop drinking soft drink. And then I went and seen Will and I did like an ice bath with him and was just like talking and shit. And he's like, hey man, like maybe you should start cutting down. And you know how Will is, he's not confrontational at all. Yeah. Right. And he was like, hey man, maybe you should like cut down and you soft. No, I told him I wanted to. And he was like, shout out Will, man. I love that shout guy out so to much. fucking Will. I love that dude. He's, yeah, he's amazing. And he was like, and I just looked at him in the eyes and I said, yeah, man. I might start cutting down on my soft drink. In my head, I knew that I was going to go home and pour it all out. Yeah. Right? I had this idea of being like, oh, yeah, when I turn 21, I'm going to do this. But I don't believe in tomorrow. Mm. Like, I'm a massive believer in not believing in tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Tomorrow is always one day away. Yeah, so if like you're going to start your goals tomorrow, so you're never really going to start your goals. Yeah. Good it's luck like with that shit. Every day you put your goals and pause is a day further you get away from your goal. Yeah, man. And like I say the thing is like the amount that I work is like every day I'm not working on my goals, I'm falling three weeks behind is how I look at it because that really lights the fire under your ass. Yeah. Because, you know, most people are like, oh, it's only three days. Well, mm. Sorry, it's only one day. So I'm like every day I don't work, I'm three days in someone else's dream. Yeah. But, yeah, for like the soft drink thing, man, Sorry, I'm nearly dying on set here. <laughs> um, keep the ambulance on call. It's all, all right. good. Um, Do you know CPR, Jaren? Oh, we're good. <laughs> Do you actually? Yeah. You would know CPR, eh? Only Jam, you know CPR too. Yeah, I, know I did CPR. a CPR course, but <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I think me and my friends were just slapping the mannequin, to yeah, be honest. Slowing the mouth and hope. Yeah, that's <laughs> a, <laughs> um, Yeah, but I f- had full intentions of just going home, man. I just flicked a switch in my head. Just said, yeah, I'm just going to go home. Bought out eight bottles of soft drink mm. that I just bought the day before and decided that that was it. Yeah. I said no more. Mm. And then I went two weeks water only just to prove to myself I could do it. Yeah. Not only did I go two weeks of water only, I went 3.1 litres of water a day and I tracked it. Mm. So every bottle I drank, I tracked it, put in a tracking app. And then after that, I allowed myself to go back to juice, waited off for another week, just to prove to myself. Yeah. You know what's funny? I had no intention of cutting it out for good. My intention was just to, uh, like, not do it for two weeks, just so that I know I can do it, just prove it to myself. Because I'm all about proving yourself right, not other people wrong. That was the same with me when I quit drugs. I was like, I'll go two weeks, three weeks, I'll go. Boom. Yeah, that's it. And then I, uh, after the two weeks, like halfway through, I was like, you know what? I don't really need to drink that shit again. Mm. It's like, as a joke, I was like, oh, I'm just never going to have soft drink again. Mm. And it's the same thing with drinking and smoking, right? Is I don't know what it is, man. It's just like that eager desire to like not let myself down mm. where I was like, you know, like I won't lie, man. Half the reason I don't drink like or smoke not half the reason, maybe like 5%. It's just because people are like, tell me. They're like, no, you could not. There's no way you don't do that. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, fuck you. I, <laughs> I don't. Mm. So the same thing with soft drink. I was like, it'd just be funny to never drink soft drink again. That's literally what I said to myself. I was <laughs> like, it'd literally just be funny to never drink it again. Yeah. And then I just had this like thing and I was like, all right, I just never drink soft drink again. And like no one believed me. And then after the two weeks... Went out for dinner because the two weeks landed on my birthday. Yeah. Right? 
we're at a place and it was like an unlimited all you can drink Coke glass thing. And my mm. brother's like, go on, just you can have one. Yeah. Jan was encouraging me before that one time actually as well. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, I just had the strong will just to be like, no, nah, just mm. not going to do it. So I remember the first time I met you, because um, we found out when I met you that like our offices are basically next door to each other. Yeah. So like I hit you up and I was like, oh, I'll come around and I'll buy you a coffee or whatever. And you're like, no, nah, no, nah, just water. I thought you were joking. I was like, oh, I'll make sure you get your coffee. And you're like, nah, I'm off all that stuff. I'm drinking water. I, I, okay, I'll bring you water. Yeah. So, so I think that might have been the start. Or was that when you fair into it? No, nah, that would have been just the start of it, yeah, bro. four months ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I hit like three and a half months or something. Just like, yeah, it'd be about three and a half months now. Hmm. So I think it was on the 11th. So on the 11th of January, it'd be four months that I've had any soft drink. Yeah, and I've gone places where it's been under my nose. I actually nearly had some the other day by accident, mm. just because my girlfriend, like, and mind you, right? Like, people do this when their partner's smoking. They're like, oh, I can't quit smoking. My partner still smokes. Like, mm. don't be a bitch. Yeah. I'm sorry, but don't be a bitch. My girlfriend still drinks soft drink. She doesn't drink it. No, she drinks a lot of water, but it's like it's still in the fridge at home. Mm. Like, it's still in the fridge at home. It's there. And I like that because it's like, that just proves to me because it's like, I took all, so like I set a rule on the house for my roommates and I said, look, I'm getting rid of soft drink. I said, I'd really appreciate if no one had any soft drink in sight for the next two weeks. Mm. After that, that's fine. Everyone was like, yeah, that's fine. So for the two weeks, I didn't have it there. But then after that, I told everyone to put some back in the fridge because it's like, it's like people that quit smoking and then just don't hang around smokers. It's like you need to be able to quit smoking and hang around smokers and still stay quit. Yeah. Because what happens when you're hanging out with Barry and Barry pulls out a cigarette, you're going to let yourself down. Mm, so was, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like you've got to – you haven't truly quit. Like but you're just running away from it. You're running away instead of facing the habit. It's like when, you, when it comes to addiction and abuse of any addiction out there – like people always say, get a new environment and stay there. Like what, exactly what you just said. What happens when you go back to that environment? Well, that environment just comes to you comes for like two hours because guess what? You're always going to get snippets of your past environment come back. Exactly. I don't care what anyone says. And when I when I quit all my stuff, I always stayed in the environments mm. and stayed clean. So like when I quit drugs, I stayed in the exact same environments of people. When I quit ciggies, I never told this story publicly um, before quite similar to you you sparked it in my head so when i quit cigarettes i had two packets one had like two ciggies left and a brand new fresh packet so like the night before i was like i was just power through these last two ciggies so i can wake up and have a fresh deck i woke up in the morning i was looking at the ciggies and they went open i was like hmm, let's see how far we can go then i unwrapped them i opened them up so i could see the whole packet laying there open and for two weeks straight, I just kept coming in the room and looking at him. I'm like, I was always looked at. I always said to him, I was like, I'm not going to fucking give in to you. And I kept going and going and going. And after six weeks of that packet sitting there and me looking at it, I ended up giving it away. Because I knew like I can be around the cigarettes without quitting them. Like I never separated the cigarettes from myself when I quit them. I always I, kept them around. And dude, I'm such a big believer in that. Like, yeah, hit the nail on the head, man. It's like, that's exactly what I did with soft drink. I was like, Dude, I'm going to go to a restaurant. There's going to be a big flashing TV in front of me going, glass of Coke, $4. Like, how the fuck am I meant to live my life, man, if I can't, <laughs> if I can't be around that shit anymore? Like, you know, I might as well just lock myself in the house. Mm. So, like, my idea was, is like, I'm going to stay, like, be around it, but just have the control to not do it. 
Mm. I think that's when you have the real power. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've got like massive willpower where I can, I like, as I said before, I can do anything. I think if everyone that's listening to this podcast knows by now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I can do, is, yeah, yeah, I can do fucking anything I set my mind to. And I don't know where that came from. A lot of it came to my mum. She's yeah. meant to be a paraplegic. She's meant to not be able to walk, talk. She wasn't meant to be able to watch our kids grow up. She's meant to be in a care home as soon as the hospital. She was just going to be a you know, retard her whole life is what we were literally told. Like, and I don't mean that in an offensive way. I mean, like, the medical definition of a retard, mm. you know, which I hate that word, but, you know, like, people refer mm. to her as disabled, and I get it, she is, but she's not disabled. She's mm. just limitedly abled. Mm. That's, what I, that's what she always says. Yeah. She's not disabled. She's just limitedly abled. Mm. She's just not as able as other people. Yeah, I like that. But she she thinks it's funny because she looks at everyone else walking around. She goes, "You fuckers have to walk." She's <laughs> <laughs> wheeling around on a wheelchair. That's she always thinks that's hilarious. She has a positive aspect of her. She situation. does. She does, man, and that's the only thing that got us through. Mm. You know, that's why she is where she is. Like, we'll be walking around the plaza, and I'll be like, she <laughs> she'll walk around the plaza, and she'll I'll be like, Fuck, my legs sore, and she'll be like. She looks at me and she laughs and goes, ha, that sucks. <laughs> like, it just it takes the piss out of me. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's really good. Uh, sounds, like, sounds like you two have a beautiful relationship. Yeah, man. Mum, yeah. Mum is my everything. Mm. So, if we could get any piece of advice from your own personal experience in terms of wanting to succeed in your goals what would you tell someone if someone if I came up to you right now and said I've got this goal I want to achieve it what does it mean to you mm. like what what does it mean to you and Dean Graziosi always says this right and it comes back to the fact of like do you want it or are you gonna fucking get it because mm. a lot like every so many people are out there and there's probably ruffle feathers and that's great I love doing that so many people out there whether you're young or you're old or whatever right and it's like so many people are out there and they feel so special because they've got this idea about what they're going to do or what they want to do and they feel so special because they've got this incredible idea right and it's like everyone's got the ideas mm. like i'm sorry but 400 400,000 people, like, have you ever been to a family barbecue and your Uncle Jim's like, oh, you know that Elon Musk guy that built those electric cars, you know, back in my shed in 1936, I was actually playing around with a battery-powered car. <laughs> it's like, all right, Uncle Jim, calm down. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But, like, how many people thought of delivering food through an app mm. before someone went, oh, I'm going to deliver food through an app. Yeah. Do you know how many people said that? Do you know what I mean? Like there was heaps of them that said that. Yeah. But one of them did it. Mm. So my biggest thing would be if you're not unique because you've got unique ideas, I promise you that th these ideas run through everybody's head. Mm. You're unique when you action it and you do something to move yourself in the direction of completing that idea. Mm. That's what makes you unique. Because I can talk to anybody in my family and they've all got million dollar ideas. Mm. Everyone's got million dollar ideas. Everyone wants to, everyone's got like that great business that they want to start that would do so well, but they're all just a little bit too scared to do it or they don't know how to do it or they'll do it next year or yeah. tomorrow. You know what I mean? There's never the right time. The right time's now. Dude, I've even had to learn that. Then I did that with the podcast. I was like, 
after I got everything, I was like, oh shit, no excuses now. I got to do it. Mm. And you know, like back to what I said to begin with is like, what does it mean to you? Dean Graziosius always says is no one's coming to save you. So pick your shit up and go. Mm. Like imagine, I always picture myself on my deathbed. I sound like a really dark person. I promise you I'm not. I actually <laughs> am pretty funny. Oh, I, th- I think I'm funny. Jaren? Yeah, Jaren said I'm hilarious. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's the fucking use of the soundboard. Let's go. Ever, ever. <laughs> Why did the ducks cross the road? Because I wanted to get to the other side. Yeah. <laughs> All right, come on. All right, I was no, not playing around banned, yeah, banned from the soundboard. <laughs> now, right. I was not broken buttons. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, I always picture myself on my deathbed, man, and I'm like, imagine if, like, whoever it is that you believe in, like, whether you're religious or, like, there's a creator, right? Mm. I believe that there's some form of creator. Imagine that person sitting there and they're showing you a video. Like, like really, like, close your eyes and legitimately just picture this, like, you're legitimately like sitting there, right? And you're on your deathbed. You got all your family around you at your funeral or like whatever it is, right? And your creator is literally sitting there and showing you a video of what your life could have been like if you had just taken action and believed in yourself or what that, what you could have done for your family or the financial freedom you could have given all your family or the time that you could have bought yourself. Like watch that video on that phone. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I was close, man. I was only out there. I was feeling the very from you. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, that's what scares me. Like, mm. I don't want to be that person. Yeah. That watches what their life could have been like. I'm gonna be that person that's literally living in that fucking video. No regrets. Yeah. No regrets. So I'd be the I'd be the person that gets a no regrets tattoo and spells regrets wrong. <laughs> I'm shit at spelling. What, what does it mean to you? That's I like that a lot. That's good advice. I always, I always ask people that. I'm like, what does it mean to you? What is it that you want to do? And if you don't have goals, man, write some down. Yeah. How many people can you walk up to the street and goes, what is the number one goal you're working towards? How many are you really going to be able to turn around and answer like a legitimate, like non-bullshit answer? Mm. Not many. Yeah. People, people are out there so hard, man. People are out there and just sitting in the driver's seat of their car with their foot flat to the metal doing 200 kilometers an hour, but they don't know where they're going with it. Mm. They don't know where the direction is. They got no GPS. Mm. They got no end goal. Good. It's the same thing in life, man. Like you can work, you can work the hardest that you want to work, but if you don't know where you like trying to take it, you may as well honestly just pull over and sit it, sit on the bench. Yeah, because you're gonna get just as far. You have to map it out. That's right. You're gonna map it out and just send it. But don't perfect the map before you start your journey. Yeah, you know, <laughs> just get one dot point on and just send it. Yeah, exactly. Just it. know where to start and then keep going. Yeah, and just. The willingness to fail, man. I love failing. I'm not scared of failing. I will put any amount of money into anything. Mm. I do not care if it fails. Worst comes to worst, it's a lesson. That's right. Yeah, I never fail, only learn. Mm. Well, I think that's a beautiful way to end. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me on, and I hope I let you speak enough. I feel like I just rambled on the whole time. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, good. <laughs> no, I liked it. It's good because I got to listen more about you and your story and who you are and because when I was on your podcast, you got to learn a lot about me. Now I know a lot about you. So it feels like we're probably going to connect on a deeper level now Now we know each other. Yeah, man, for sure. And it was just like, you know, I felt like it probably was a bit of a messy podcast, but I've never mm. shared the story before. So it's so it's so weird when someone asks you, 
about your life and to put your story into words because you yeah. always you think about it you don't put it into words so such a it's actually a really weird dynamic just to share yeah and it's good man because like with myself when i do a podcast i don't originally like to do too much of a deep dive like i like to know like a rough basis of what they do so i know so i can ask questions about the guests maybe not the guests i mean the listeners may be interested in but i like to find everything out brand new for myself so i can engage and talk and ask authentic questions about it yeah man so yeah, i think that flowed well thank you for having me on it's uh yeah it's good to share the story and it's uh it's good to hear it yeah man hopefully it inspires one person well, you're created to inspire, bro. That's it. <laughs> I love it. Where Let's can, go. Where can everyone find you? Yeah, so um, on social media, uh, my Instagram handle, like my personal, is shot by Dan. So it's S-H-0-T by Dan, B-Y-D-A-N. Um, it's not Biden, by the way. My name's it's by Dan. So many people call me Biden I when I see them. First. Oh, did you really? Yeah. People think my name's Biden. They're like, shot Biden? Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's shot by Dan. Um, the clothing brand is VNTR.clothing, Venture Clothing. Mm. Um, the podcast is, can I plug my podcast? Of yeah. course you can. The Passion Project. Um, and when's this being released? Um, Wednesday. Oh, sh- okay. Uh, I got another project I'm working on that's coming out on the 1st of January. So, yeah. 1st of January. I'm excited for it. All right, sweet. Well, I won't, I won't get you to say anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Day. I was like, oh, share that. But no, I can't. Did you want to share this space really? or no? Yeah, yeah, why not? Yeah, so if you're on the Sunshine Coast or even Brisbane, if you're keen, or Gympie or like, you know, wherever you're listening from, if you're on the sunny coast and you want to start a podcast, I've got a space here that I've invested, you know, upwards of seven to $8,000 in creating. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's available for hire. It's $80 an hour. It's the equipment we're all using at the moment. It sounds incredible. Um, and yeah, it's a proper legitimate setup too. It's no... Nothing cheap, so yeah. There's lights, cameras, everything. It's all free to use. So yeah, if you're in the area, you want to start a podcast, or if you want to know how to start a podcast and get started on that, I have a course on how to start a podcast coming out really soon. Yeah, definitely check out then stuff. Also, if you want to see the space um, as well, check out the Passion Project on YouTube because then you'll see the visuals that he puts up with his podcast. It's all amazing with his um, co-host Jaron. So. And Frank, soon to be Frank. And soon to be Frank and your feature wall. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the Nerf gun wall. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, thank you, bro. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having yeah. me on, man. Really appreciate it. All right. See you later, guys. Take care. You.